Hey, Black African Power. What's good? What's happening? A well-organized lie defeats a disorganized truth every time. Ooh, we man, y'all already know what it is, man. It's God killer in the house, man. And look, man, we got a powerful show today. And look, man, let's just get it cracking, man. I'm a rock squad up, magi archers in the building. Please believe. Oh shit. Nah. If you ain't Sinetta, no time for that interview, dog. I put my shit out for niggas, I don't send it to blogs. Plan kill off the Buddha, not being discreet. One puff this big pops and projectiles. Sun run, cold game, bring your cleats. The best flow blow, Eskimo, penguin feet. Don't need no blunt to burn. You run the turf with ten niggas on the block. That's a punk return. Ayo, Dolomite prototype, soldier with the solar light. Saber and he hold it like he hold a mic. Golden ice pendants. Sipping on that overpriced poltergeist spirits. Ripping at the open mic, spoke the nice lyrics like Mama move mean overnight, golden motorbike holding on some trying shit. That nice neon kit is on it. The king's libation with exotic liqueur. Queen's vibration like a side of Shakur A lot of the poor imported foreign threads They ain't got at the store Nubian Kush Black top pottery jars 39% TAC The quality pure Old rappers try to spit ain't hot as before It's like I'm five flights a ball Bust shots at the floor Cats switch up their style When they ain't got it no more Cause they gotta keep their product in stores To feed their kids uh, See what that weed did? Your yes man agreeing on everything we said I smell of a mic like it's the love of my life Don't get sliced in beat with the butt of the knife Brother polite, I say I'm animalistic Cause I still be in the hood with my hand on my pistol The Hebrews think I'm cannibalistic E5 divination, channel the mystic Audio visionary, let's play poetical pictionary Picture me burning down your missionary Yeah then I send you religion That red dot on your head That's Hindu tradition Invisible, independent, and transit shit I'll bring it all to an end With indivisible gains Charles Xavier, getting your brain Mental anguish, a manifesting physical pain Wizard remains to dance in the chemical rain Breathe slow, then I'm up out of this physical plane Got military machinery that exercise Weaponized greenery Shine out of jeopardize the scenery, son Bruh, the beam ten times your distance Inclines convention, stop rising with no friend line resistance. The parabolic breakout, I'm F16 with the aeronautic fake out. The God killer, the God killer, the God killer, the God killer, it's the God killer, the God killer, that's who it is. The God killer, the God killer, it's the God killer, the God killer, the God killer, it's the God killer, the God killer, the God killer. All right, I want to say uh, peace to everyone. This is your brother Wujao Min Ib Ma'at, and I have with me. Uh, I'm blessed to be on the panel with uh, Dr. Oya Ma'at, and um, I'll, let, I'll let her introduce herself. Honor <laughs> uh, all squad up. Peace to my brother Wujawu, and peace to all the brothers and sisters under the sound of my voice. I'm a little hoarse today, family. Yesterday was Juneteenth, and um, 
we, we in, in the words of the young folks, we turned up yesterday uh, at Emerson Village in Baltimore City. Uh, my son spoke there. Um, I didn't speak, but I was, you know, mingling with a lot of people and yelling and screaming. And so my voice is a, is, is a little uh, more raspier than, than usual, but I'm going to bear with it. But happy to be on the panel and looking forward um, to this much, much needed uh, discussion. All right. All right. So uh, other members of the squad uh, is composed to join in on us, but we're going to kick it off. You know, we said we're going to start at eight o'clock and, you know, we're trying to be punctual as we can. So uh, tonight's show is the topic is Juneteenth. Um, if you don't know what Juneteenth is, shame on you. That's all I have to say. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then also uh, what took place yesterday, the congressional um, hearing on H.R. 40. All right. So we want to kind of give some commentary and our thoughts on that. And hopefully you all have seen it and watched it. Um, and if you didn't, shame on you for that as well. Uh, what I noticed just real quick is that when I was watching it yesterday, I looked at the number of viewers. Now, mm. I know they had different um, outlets that were broadcasting it. But in terms of YouTube, there was one outlet and I noticed the number of users were um, pretty low lower a lot lower than what i expected so you know we, we could bring that up and talk that talk that talk about that same here, um, same here. I, was, I was utterly appalled you know when i looked and i know at the time you told me we were looking it was about 200 not 200 1200 mm -hmm. uh viewers and then at one point i think the max was maybe 1400 um viewers and so i was very disappointed myself brother wujaro at the, the at the viewership mm -hmm. um of the um of the hr 40 hearing but like you said we'll, we'll get into that um, a little later. Right. Um, yeah, so we're going to jump it off, guys. Started off with just talking about Juneteenth. Uh, yesterday was Juneteenth. I, I mean, I know some folks may have no, may already know about Juneteenth and others may not. But Juneteenth is uh, essentially the oldest known celebration commemorating the ending of slavery or chattel slavery in the United States of America. Uh, yesterday, Wujaro, when I put up Happy Juneteenth on my Facebook page, you know, brothers and sisters, I actually stated that this was our Independence Day. And a brother, uh, he corrected me. He said, no, sis, I wouldn't call it an Independence Day. I would call it uh, emancipation because he said there's a difference between emancipation and independence. And so I said, well, wait a minute, let me go to my Google. And I looked it up and it de there is definitely a, a, a difference between, you know, emancipation and independence. And uh, right now, black people aren't independent. So it would be, you know, it would the, the better word would be emancipation, but it's definitely a holiday that commemorates the ending of slavery in the United States. Uh, now, dating back to 1865, it was on Juneteenth um, that uh, Union soldiers were led by a general, I think his name was General Granger. Um, he was he landed in Galveston, Texas, uh, with news that the war had ended. So remember, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on January the 1st, 1863. But you, there were still folks who were still under slavery throughout the United States. So it wasn't until two and a half years later when you had this general, General Gordon Granger, ride into Galveston, Texas with, with, uh, with I believe it was uh, 2,000 or 2,500 Union soldiers uh, to give news that uh, slavery had ended. And at that time, uh, it was 250,000 uh, enslaved Africans um, living in, in Texas. So he rode there and he read what is called, let me pull it up. 
he read something that was called general order number three. And I'm gonna read this verbatim. General order number three states, and he said this, hold on, general order number three. It reads as such, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and personal property between former masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that becomes that between employer and hired labor. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. And as I previously stated at that time, you know, there were 250,000 slaves in Texas. And oh, and I'm looking at it now, he was with 2,000 federal troops um, when he made that announcement. And so um, after that was read, you know, people began, you know, to celebrate. And um, June 19th was then coined uh, Juneteenth, and it grew, um, you know, with more, more, more participation from descendants, of course. Um, and even today, some people um, make a pilgrimage back to um, Galveston, Texas uh, to celebrate, or Gal yeah, Galveston, Texas to celebrate. Um, I didn't know, Jairo, that there's actually a flag, a Juneteenth flag that was created. Um, it was created by, let me look this up really fast, guys. Sorry, I didn't have all of my notes ready, but it was a flag. It's a red, black, and blue flag with like a star in the middle of it. I'm trying to look at who created the flag. Uh, okay, I can't find it. Okay, yes, yes, yes. It was created by Boston Ben Hess in 1997. And it says it went under revision in 2000 also by Ben Heath or Hess. Um, but there's a Juneteenth flag. Um, typically people get together, they barbecue, they cook out. I know yesterday in Baltimore City, um, we cooked out, I was with the organization um, called, they call themselves 300 Gangsters, essentially some brothers, um, you know, from the hood who want to give back and, and do right. And so they organized a Juneteenth event right there in Baltimore City, right in the hood, and fed a lot of people and showed the uh, documentary uh, 13th Amendment um, to the community. Uh, they also brought in uh, different speakers to uh, to motivate the community and to also educate the community. So it was, it was a very, very uh, nice festivity yesterday. You know, on Juneteenth, people get together. Some people hang out. Some people go to bars. Some people cook out. Um, some people just get together in, in homes. A lot of people wear red, black, and green on Juneteenth. So we talked about that yesterday, the red, black, and green flag. We talked about Marcus Garvey, and we talked about, you know, what black people should be doing today. Because, we, you know, we made it clear yesterday, Wujaro, that, you know, this isn't over. You know, we're still struggling. Uh, we haven't seen or haven't experienced you know, complete liberation, but that's the goal. And so we talked about that. Um, but Wujawa, let me ask you a quick question, because I know that, do you celebrate Juneteenth? Uh, yeah. Okay, all right. So did you guys have anything? Oh, I think Atlanta did it up big on Sunday. You guys had like a big Juneteenth parade. Now, so I, I do celebrate Juneteenth. It's just that yesterday on Juneteenth, I didn't do too much celebrating, celebrating because I had some prior um, uh, engagement. Uh, oh, okay. But yeah, I think you guys do it up big in Atlanta. Um, I, ho I heard you guys had a big parade on um, Sunday. Mm -hmm. I think Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and and um, 
But now I just want to under, underline something that you said that 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 it's not over. And that's something that, um, you know, even though like how you how you change the word from, you know, uh, liberty or freedom to emancipation or independence into that. Um, this is why, like, it, if you saw the thumbnail to this to our show tonight, it says free ish, mm. you know, and that's something that we have to kind of underscore. <clears throat> um, and I, I like that that word free ish, because, you know, if you right. say something is red, it's red. But if you say red ish, then it's not quite red, but it's but it's almost there. So um, I think that's a good under uh, 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 score to to um, utilize free ish. And so, you know, I just want to kind of emphasize that because it's not over. I think we get complacent. We, yes, uh, we think do. we have arrived and and, you know, and then we lose that fire, lose that 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 um, that fight, you know. And I think a lot of us, you know, collectively, we get caught up into that. So I think that is important what you just said. Absolutely. Because sometimes when we when we celebrate and that's another thing, too, um, it's like running a race. Uh, right when you get to the ribbon and the finish line, you know how people throw their hands up and and whatnot, and then that gives a, a little room for the person in second place to to edge right by you and, and steal that first place. We celebrate a little too early, or we or we get too comfortable. So it's Absolutely. not nothing and wrong with. Have, mm -hmm. I said that we are comfortable with y'all. You know, I mean, we are comfortable. We're definitely comfortable, definitely complacent, and that can be you know a detriment uh, to our progress. Right. So hey, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, because it's nothing wrong with celebrating, and 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 we should celebrate. But with that in mind, like we have to, we have to just constantly be aware of these other things, you know. But sometimes we we celebrate, and then we just shut down on the on the other um, things that we're supposed to keep in the forefront and keep in mind, you know. But we have to celebrate progress, but we Absolutely. can't act like everything is finished. Absolutely. So, brother, let's jump into this HR forty discussion. Um, Yesterday, you and I were on fire. I mean, I'm telling you guys, yesterday the um, House had a hearing on H.R. 40 and Brother Wujaru, you know, he's been speaking about H.R. 40 and, and reparations and um, ADOS for a while now. And Brother, I learned so much just from listening to um, a lot of your Facebook, um, I don't know if to call them podcasts or videos, you know, your live, your live, um, your live videos on, on, these, on, the, on these said topics. But um, I learned a lot from you, brother. But yesterday they had the hearing and um, brother Ujawa and myself, we were going back and forth on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> Just, you know, we, we were upset about a lot of things that were said and we were you know excited about some things that were said. So um, I asked yeah. him, I said, brother, let's just have a public discussion about it. And he said, OK, cool. Doctor. I'll set it up. And so that's what we decided to do. But brother Ujawa, can you talk to the people about H.R. 40? You know, what is it? Who proposed it? And why why did they have a hearing? Why did it take so long for them to have a hearing? Okay, so that's a good question. Um, just real quick though, before I speak on that, what I have on the screen is a picture of you in Ghana, I believe. Um, with the uh, I'm not sure. Can you see it? You should be able to see it with yes, uh, yes, children and the Meltrek uh, post and everything like that. If you could just briefly take a minute and just explain what what's going on in that picture and, and what's that all what's that's all about. So um, I went to Ghana um, with a brother. His name is Bamani. He has an organization called Africa for the Africans. And he runs trips um, to Africa maybe two or three times out of the year. In fact, he's running another trip to South Africa in November. And I plan on, on going. But um, 
I joined him um, from May the 22nd through June the 4th uh, to Ghana. So we went to Ghana for about 14 days. And um, here we were taking a picture at Trinity Home Academy, which is a school in an orphanage. And we had just finished presenting Meltrek to these beautiful babies um, in Ghana, these beautiful babies who are um, orphans. And um, I mean, they're living in um, very, very indigent conditions. But um, we had just finished um, showing them the Meltrek, um, um, I don't want to call it a cartoon, but the Meltrek animation. And uh, they answered a lot of our questions. And so we handed out posters to them and then decided to take a picture. So I was in Ghana when we took that picture. And while we were there, um, we visited two other schools, um, the Acoma Academy and also the Marcus Garvey Preparatory um, School. And so I'll be flying back to Ghana next summer, Ujawu, to, um, to work with the children um, on STEM. So I'll be teaching them some engineering principles, some science principles and some math principles, and also bringing like science kits with me when I go and just, you know, run a STEM program out of the different schools next summer. So I'm actually working with my boss at um, Morgan State University to coordinate this. Mm, okay. So yeah, I wanted to show that because, um, you know, I know I know it's kind of strange when you, when, you, when you talk about and promote your your own activities is kind of a little awkward for people. It is. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I wanted to show it because um, this is the kind of thing that we should all applaud and look at in terms of uh, motivation because, because we have to affect change. We can't just sit around and talk about it a lot. Uh, a lot of times that we end up doing on social media because social media has made us um, comfortable just being gossipers you know we just talk exactly. about things and we don't and we don't actually execute much you know as we should now of course there are people like yourself and others that are doing things but where we should be compared to where we are is is it's a big difference and so I, I always like to showcase stuff like this to to you know remind ourselves that we know we have to do a lot more there's a lot of work to be done in all different areas um of anybody's specialty or skill set but it's a lot of work that need to be done and i and i see you know the silliness the pettiness the drama the immaturity yeah. and stuff that goes on on social media and that is entertaining at times but then if it occupies our time too much then it becomes detrimental so i just wanted to um showcase this and, and have you um explain that so oh, no, I appreciate that, brother, because you're right. It's like, you know, you don't want to put up a picture and say, look, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Right. So, so yeah, you don't want to. It's always good for somebody else. And that's and that's how we got to do for each other, because, I, you know, it's awkward because even that could be taken the wrong way. Oh, you feeling yourself or you doing right, this or you right, bragging. Right, exactly. And this and exactly. that. So it's our duty to recognize the, the, the work in others so that they won't have to, um, you know, push themselves and everything. You know, that's why exactly. you, that's why people hire a PR team, you know, because, I, you know, you don't want to advertise your, yourself. So. Um, so, yeah. But all right. So let's let's get into um, HR 40. Now, um, I've done a few videos on HR 40 and there's a lot of pe other people that did videos on HR 40. So I won't um, go into detail about HR 40. But the gist of HR 40 is, uh, well, first of all, HR 40 was was not originally called HR 40. But it's it is a bill that was introduced by uh, Representative John Conyers in 1989. And it was originally uh, docketed as H.R. 3745. OK, so it uh, received a, a different name, H.R. 40. 
And that 40 became, you know, symbolic of the 40 acres and a mule. So we know it today as H.R. 40. But if you want to look it up, uh, look up H.R. 3745 in 1989, which was the 101st Congress. And it was introduced by uh, Representative John Conyers. And ever since then, he reintroduced it every uh, congressional uh, session. Okay. Mm. Up until his retirement, which was fairly recently, I believe it was 2000 and I want to say 17. Uh, don't quote me on that. But until his retirement, and then it was picked up by uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, who is who is currently the um, head sponsor uh, for the bill. Okay, but the bill itself is a bill to set up a commission to study reparation proposals for African Americans. All right, and uh, and that's just the short uh, title. Actually, the, the title. Uh, let me read the full title here so everyone can. So H.R. 40, the full title is to address. No. Um, yeah. Uh, to address the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality and inhumanity of slavery in the United States and the 13 American colonies between 1619 and 1865 and to establish a commission to study and consider a national apology and proposal for reparations for the institution of slavery, its subsequent de jure and de facto racial and economic discrimination against African-Americans and the impact of these forces on living African-Americans to make recommendations to Congress on appropriate remedies and for other purposes. All right. So that is the full um, the full title and, and it summarizes what the bill is all about. Now, so one thing I stressed when I was make when I made videos to kind of cover it, because I, I actually walked through the whole bill on the video and it's on my uh, uh, personal channel on YouTube. So if you want to check it out, you can go there under my name. But what I what I wanted to stress was that I saw people um, assuming that the bill was itself reparations. Right. So so in other words, if the bill was passed, people thought that the passage of this bill that's reparations and that's that's far from the case so i wanted to i made sure i clarified that that this is this is a bill and i don't even want to say just but it is a bill to establish a commission to to study the impact of slavery and all of its vestiges that came after and to propose remedies um whatever they are for for it okay and so people have to understand that all right and then um Second to that, once people get that understanding, then I saw people complain about the bill because once they found out that it wasn't reparations in and of itself, then and then they they, they hone, hone in on the word study. They're like, wait, wait a minute. We don't need any more studies. Slavery happened. So people assume that this bill was to study whether or not slavery happened. Or, or, you know, things of that nature. You know, I have people out here that don't even think slave ships exist and so on and so forth. So um, I spoke to that and made sure people understand that this is the process. Because you have, you have people that will pump the fist for reparations and say, cut the check, cut the check. But then when you ask them, well, how much should the check be? Then it's, it's mum. It's, 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 it's silence. All you hear is crickets. And then you say, well, how how does that unfold? How does reparation look? How does it act actually unfold literally? And then again, crickets. 
And the reason why it's crickets on both of those both of those is because they they don't understand that this is the process for reparations to unfold. You have to set up a commission in order to um, uh, study the impact and get the, the, the fine details of what ha what the impact is and to place certain remedies in place to to offset that damage because repair or reparations is to repair or to make whole. And then you have restorative justice and reparative justice. Reparative is to make whole. Restore is to restore people or a person or, or something back to its original um, state before the damage was done. So we're dealing with two things. And this is the way that it has to unfold and, and it has to um, take place if we're going to um, hold the government responsible. And that is the party that's responsible. So those are the things that I, I emphasize. So without, like I said, without going through um, the fine details of the bill, that's the gist of what the bill is about. And then the bill spells out um, a little bit of the procedures on how that should take place. Um, the, the, the commission itself, who, who the members of the commission would be and so on and so forth. So, you know, like I said, I, um, there's several videos out there that kind of uh, detail all of that good stuff out. So. Hopefully people will get the gist from what I'm saying now if you don't if you didn't already know. You know, brother, while you were talking and you were saying that um, you mentioned that there are people who, who don't believe that slavery exists. And I just wonder how those people feel with the discovery of the Clotilda um, that was found, I believe, back in May uh, in Alabama. Uh, they said this was the last known ship to bring enslaved Africans to America. Um, they found that. And it, you guys can read about it on nationalgeographic.com. So I wonder how people feel about that. Like, I'm talking about the people who believe that slavery never happened. Like, there, there, there are mounds of evidence um, that proved that slavery uh, existed, that it happened. So they've uncovered um, logs. We have uh, ship logs. We have the castles. I, I myself went over to Ghana and with my own eyes, I walked, I saw the castles, I toured the castles in Cape Coast and also Elmina. So I don't know, Ujawa, for the life of me, how these people, I don't know if they're disillusioned or what, how they could say that slavery never happened. Like right here in Baltimore, um, we have a plantation in Towson, Maryland called the Ridgely. I think it's called the Charles Ridgely Plantation. And I went there, I walked the big house and then I went down to um, the shacks where our aunt, the shacks that were inhabited by our ancestors. So I don't know why you were talking, Wujawa. I was just shaking my head at the um, just the thought of people, you know, who who believe that slavery never happened. And I'm sitting here saying, hey, we got we 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 had the plantations, we had the records, um, you know, we have the the ships, we have the castles. Um, while I was in Ghana, also I went to Asimanso which was a place where our ancestors were marched to. Some of our ancestors were marched 300 miles to Asimanso. And at Asimanso, our ancestors had to take their last bath. So they were bathed. And I ain't talking about like, you know, they, you know, they were bathed. Water was splashed on them, basically. Um, after they got out of the river, they were put on auction block. Oh, I'm sorry. After they got out of the river and bathed, they, were, um, they put oil on their bodies, shined them up, put them on a slab of stone, Ujaru, auctioned them off and once they were uh, sold then they was they were uh, put on another slab of stone that was directly across from that slab and they were branded 
So we, I, you know, I saw these things with my own eyes. So I just can't believe that people believe that this this atrocity. I mean, the greatest, you know, crime, the, the greatest crime in humanity. I can't believe that it, people believe that it didn't happen. Mujaro. So I'm just over here kind of a little pissed off. Like when you said that, just the idea or the thought that people don't believe, you know, that this atrocity happened. Right. And um, and so that that brings up a point. OK, so. um. Well, I don't want to kind of skip forward, but that, but but you you brought it up, and I think I, we should mention it now because I well, I want to get into this uh, hearing yesterday. But before that, then, um, this is the thing. Okay, so we have uh, this advocacy movement, this political, educational, and advocacy movement that's that's uh, known as a hashtag ADOS. All right? right, and so you have people out here that are um, among the black community at, at large that you have infighting going on where people are upset about uh, Yvette Carnell or Antonio Moore or, or whatnot or ADOS. And you see people um, in the black community who are black, who call themselves black, that are hating on the ADOS. So what you were saying, when people don't even believe that slavery occurred, that's one level of um, stupidity. But then on another level, we have this this um, battle, this infighting that's going on. And so one thing that was pointed out today by uh, Yvette Carnell was that this advocacy, the outcome, it happens through phases. Advocacy is not done, you know, at a snap of a finger. And so one of the things that she pointed out is that these are phases that we have to go through. Phase one is is going to be. And, and this is true for just about any advocacy for anything, not just politics. But the first phase is a phase of convincing and education because you have to educate people to convince them that this is what you, what what is needed or that this is what's missing. This is what's needed. You have to you have to go through a diagnostic phase. And during that phase, it is going to be some head bumping, bumping heads. And so what happens is people in our communities who are not familiar with leadership. They're not familiar with taking on responsibility of, of advocating for what it really means to advocate something. You have people who are soft, people who are insecure, people who are immature, and people who are petty, that they will look at Yvette and Antonio and talk about them and then create videos and things and talk about them, all gossip, petty stuff, and not realize that what Yvette and Antonio do when it comes to critiquing and criticizing and putting fire under any and everybody, regardless of their skin color, regardless of what they believe or their religion and whatnot, that is the, the uh, fight of a real advocate. Because it's like this. If, if, um, if we, like let's say you and I, uh, Dr. Matt, I think somebody, I, think, um, I don't want to miss somebody else to join in. Let's see. Oh, brother, uh, let me pause for a second and I uh, introduce the brother um, Nahisi. So, Nahisi, if you want to uh, give a shout out, introduce yourself real quick. Oh, no, I'm just sitting back listening, bro. Okay, okay. All right. Good. All right. So, um, so let's just say, okay, uh, us three, Nahisi, myself, and Dr. Maya, let's say we are on a sports team. Uh, let's say track, okay? Uh, we're going to run the 100 meters or relay. All right. And it's, and it's us three. Now, and for the Olympics, now the Olympics is going to take place on a certain date, whatever that date is. Now, um, 
So the Olympics is one shot, one shot to bring home gold. So prior to that, the actual event, we're going to have to work our butt off, train, 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 train. Any shortcomings I have, y'all are supposed to get on me about it. Any shortcomings that you have, uh, Nahisi, or you, Dr. Matt, I need to be up under you, putting a fire up under you, pushing you, making sure that you do not slip and skip a beat because we got one shot. So I'm going to go hard on you just like I expect you to go hard on me. And while we do that, we're going to bump heads. While we do that, we are going to get mad at each other. We are going to be frustrated and everything. But at the end of the day, when it's lights, camera, action on the day of our race, we're going to put our best forward. And so this is what's happening among our community of of the general black community. And so what Yvette and Antonio are doing is that they are putting the fire under any and everybody because this is not playtime. And you got a lot of people out here who don't know what they're doing. And if they know what they're doing, they're not doing a very good job. So we have to keep fire up under us and put fire up under us, uh, under ourselves, because we get one shot at this. And how you know that it was confirmed recently when um, what's the senator's name? Um, uh, uh, McCullough or McMillan recently McCullough. say it again. McConnell. McConnell. Right. Just recently, the other day, within the last week. Uh, and he's not alone. Trust me. There's a lot of people in America that feels the same way that that thinking the same thing he said out loud was that we got our reparations already because we had Obama <laughs> and things like that. So so and I, I bring that up is because is because when Obama, even when Obama became president, there were there were some of us among us. That said, that said something similar. They're like, they're like, like everybody celebrated <clears throat> the first black president. You know, everybody celebrated. But, but, but when that celebration was over, the next day when you wake up, everybody realized that. Wait a minute. So if this is the first black president, then we better, we better do what we got to do because because this is one shot. And, and and on top of that, anything that we don't accomplish, the opposition is going to say, "See, y'all had y'all chance and y'all blew it." So then the blame comes on us. And so that's what's going on. So this is what is the sentiments of, of that statement that we already got our reparations because of Obama, because uh, uh, Obama was elected and so on and so forth. So I say that to say is that just like H.R. 40, now that it's got this attention, thanks to this social media advocacy movement, ADOS, um, it's got the attention. It's got traction. It's coming out the mouth of every single um, presidential candidate. Uh, for 2020 and so on and so forth we got one shot at this and we got to make sure anybody who is going to speak on our behalf they better be 1000% on point and if we don't make sure that they're on point then it's our fault nobody else so that's the spirit behind what Yvette and Antonio and anybody like them are doing it's not about making friends and that's the that's the that's the that's the thing that that this this social media community has created. Like we get this 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 softness again. It's this friend thing like, oh, OK, because your skin is brown. I'm not supposed to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not supposed to address the elephant in the room. I'm, I'm not supposed to say this and say that. No, it doesn't work that way. Once you advocate principles and agendas, it goes outside of it goes outside of of people and personal things. I think we lost uh, Dr. Mott. 
Oh, she'd come back, come back in. Um, hold up. Make sure she's straight. Make sure it wasn't something on my end. You can still hear me, right, uh, Nacy? Yeah, I see. Okay. All right. All right. Just making sure. Make sure. Make sure. All right. Let's do that. So, yeah. So I'm just saying all of this <clears throat> to to kind of um, let pe- let everyone know that. And I think she's back. All right. <laughs> we lost you for a second, uh, Doctor Mike. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. No problem. So but yeah, I- I'm. Sorry. <clears throat> no, go ahead, Woodrow. No. So so yeah, I'm just I'm just wrapping up what I'm saying. So I'm I'm saying that to say that uh, because it, it kind of goes off of what you were saying is that people got to understand we are in phase one of this thing and if you don't have tough skin and if you don't understand what advocacy is really about then you need to just step to the side and just support the best way you can and not get in your feelings and then get distracted and focus on the wrong things because this is a necessary process to take place so i'm gonna give a, a quick example um, Sheila Lee Jackson, Sheila Jackson Lee. Okay. Um, ADOS movement, uh, specifically Yvette and Antonio have criticized her among any and everybody, but I'm using her as an example has criti- criticized her. Now she is the, she is the lead, uh, sponsor for HR 40. So the question becomes by, by people who don't understand this phase and this process is, well, how can you criticize her or talk about her but yet she's the one that is leading the 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 cause of hr 40 you should get behind hr 40 and this and the third and they don't understand the criticism is not her personally it's the it's it's to get something done and we have to understand hr 40 is 30 years old 30 three decades three decades old and and you have organizations that are um, 20, 30 years old as well that were pushing and advocating or supporting HR 40 and whatnot and, and, and look at how far it's come to this point. Was it, was it passed? Has, it, has the bill been addressed and passed? No. So, so what has to occur to, to push it over that edge? And so this is something that people don't understand about advocacy and getting things done. You take it outside of the personal um, things. You got to go above and beyond on the macro level and say, okay, it's not about the person. It's about the agenda. Right. And that's what people got to understand. So I just want to kind of touch on that real quick, probably revisit that topic. But I just want to let people understand that this is a necessary process. And and, and we got to clean within first because the phase two of this process is to go outside of ourselves. And and to get the support of of um, the people outside of the group. So we're going to need white America to see and to understand and to be convinced that this should go down and that this should happen. Because if it was totally up to us, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. It would have been done. It would have been done in 1989. Period. So we got to face these realities. And we got to face and got to understand how the procedure works and how these different phases, how we go through these different phases. Right now, we're still in phase one. We're still fighting ourselves. We got to convince people who are not a part of this legacy that it's okay that you're not a part of this legacy, but you can support and be an ally. But those people 
who should be in that position to support and be allies for whatever their expectations are. They have a problem with people declaring themselves to be ADOS instead of just the flat black. Mm. Why are you being divisive? Why is there separation between black immigrants and black natives? Why is that? And then that creates a problem. So anyway, I don't want to uh, go on, but but uh, anybody got any other comments? No, I would look, brother. Ujawa, I was just sitting back listening to you, brother, and just you know, just thinking about all of the people because you said we're still fighting amongst ourselves. You know, we're fighting. Well, you know, we're we're we're, we're fighting with each other on who should speak for us. And then you have black folks who are saying that, um, like when I put it up yesterday, a link, um, when I posted a link on my page for people to tune into the discussion, uh, a lot of folks came, you know, on the post and they were like, you know, what's the point? We're not going to give reparations anyway. Then you had folks, you know, who said stop begging white folks for money. Then you had people say reparations is you know, divisive, you know, like, so what do you say to that? Like, what do you say to the brothers and sisters who um who feel like we're not gonna get in any way, who feel like, you know, it's it's a lost cause. You know, like what do you say to those brothers and sisters? Well, uh each one of those things probably would, would call for a different response, but but people who say people have that pessimistic attitude, yeah. I I would have to just tell them, like, I don't want to hear you complain. Don't complain about anything then. Just just sit there and take it. Take whatever's mm-hmm. coming. Just take it. Because people with a pessimistic attitude, they're draining. And, and, yeah. and, and it comes, pessimism comes from either ignorance or defeat. Yeah, self-defeat. Like mm-hmm. it, that's a defeatist attitude. And, and that's poison to those who, who don't have that um, pes- same pessimism. It's poison. So you have to separate. You have to draw that line. And you have to let people like that know that, listen, okay, I don't want to hear you complain then. Don't complain about, you know, um, the rain coming down, but yet there's umbrellas around you or you're not trying to get an umbrella or you're not trying to seek shelter. Don't complain, you know. Okay. And what about those who said, you know, you're begging white folks for money? You know, we should be focused on, you know, self-reliance and, you know, self-help and all of that. So what do you say about those folks? Well, that comes from ignorance as well because, because, um, reparations is not begging for money mm-hmm. people need to look up and understand what reparation what reparative justice is reparations is short for reparative justice you have reparative justice and within there secondary is restorative justice and you have to people have to understand what that is uh the compensation portion which is the money is only a part of it and because we're dealing with the damage from um, an atrocity that has taken place. Uh, it is a monetary. There is a monetary portion of that that deserves compensation. And so when they say because what's the alternative? So what they say is that stop begging white people for money. And the alternative is that, OK, nah, we got it. We can do it ourselves. Why don't we just do this and do that? That right. that is straight ignorance. They don't understand the, the, the system, the economic system within this country, because What's happening is that we built this country and and we were denied access to what we built. And we we were denied access to the wealth building aspect of what we built and other people took advantage of it. And so since we're living here 
and we're going to stay here. And that's another thing. People got to stop pretending that we're going to do um, self-reliance and uh, self-determination and all this and that and complain, but yet still stay living here in America. And then and then and then don't even want to admit that they are a United States citizen like <laughs> like that. That mentality has to be eliminated because unless you're going to roll out, unless you're going to leave, if you're going to stay, you got to get rid of that mentality. We are United States citizens and it's the citizenship that we are denied. We built this country, but yet we're denied access to to what we built. And so and so. Uh, lastly, real quick, is that people got to start seeing part of this as a debt, a debt that's owed. Right. And, not a handout. A right. Debt. It's not exactly. a handout. We're not begging for a handout. It is a debt. It is what somebody owes. And, and, and like a simple example that is always used is that if, if you're walking down the street, um, Dr. Myatt, and somebody steals your purse and runs and then one of your sons and you run after run after them and catch the person. You're going to stick your hand out, but you're not asking for a handout, even though your hand is out literally. But what you're asking is for what is already yours, what is right. owed to you. And that's a difference. And that's how people got to frame this. This is not a handout like, oh, do me a favor. This is a handout. This We got our hand out because something was taken from us. We were robbed. And 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 the thing is, we are um descendants we we bear the legacy from that what took place because we could deal with from 1619 roughly to about 1968 from slavery itself and all of its vestiges jim crow redlining uh sharecropping everything that leads up to approximately 1968 and even still right now we're still um um feeling all of those effects they just mani they just manifest in different forms to where 1968 is a, is a cutoff is a is a is a roundabout cutoff point for um, that demarcation. But we're still seeing all the effects of all that. You know, and what I don't like about um, when when folks say things like, um, you know, don't ask them for money. It's a handout. It's oh, white folks have been taking handouts. And I'm not saying that what we're dealing with Ujjawa is a handout. Like you said, it's a debt. That's old and brother, I agree with you 100%. But when you think about handouts, I can't help but to think about white people. White folks have been the biggest recipients of handouts since, nine, since 1675. Um, last year, Sister Alima and myself, we, um, we, had, we, opened, we started a book club. I think not last year, it was actually the year before last. We, we started a book club called the uh, Resurgence of the African Mind Book Club. And our first book was Blueprint for Black Power by Dr. Amos Wilson. And in that book, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now, family, on page 34, Dr. Amos Wilson provides us with a table entitled America's Long History of 100% Racial Quotas in Favor of Whites. For 300 years, the American colonies, the states and the federal government allotted untold billions of dollars of public wealth exclusively to members of the white race, right? And so he goes from 1675 all the way to 1941. And Brother Wujawa, I won't read all of it, but he talked about like the Massachusetts Bay Colony uh, plantation rights, square mile tracks that was given to, um, they call them worthy individuals. Uh, he talks about the land grants that were given to settlers, um, the Oklahoma land rush, the Homestead Act, 
uh, the Federal Preemption Act, uh, the Air Commerce Act, the Mine Leasing Act, and also the Federal Communications, I'm sorry, Communication Commissions Act. So, you know, when I think about these different, you know, when people say, oh, you want handout, you handout, I'm looking at white, I'm looking at folks saying, do you know that white folks have been the biggest recipients of handouts, you know, for over 300 years? So I think, Brother Wujaru, like you said earlier, it just boils down to the fact that we don't know history. Mm-hmm. We do not know history. We don't know our history and we don't have an understanding of U.S. history. That's right. And and just on the principle of handout, see, that that is really an excuse to not advocate and to not fight. And that's that's a, that that ties into the pessimism that ties into the defeatist attitude. It ties into the laziness and it ties into complacency, complacency. That's what all of that is connected. All of that stuff is connected when people say stuff like that, because when you look at it logically, when you just lay out the logic of that statement, anybody who does not work for another a a fully owned black company, if you work and you are waiting at the end of the week to get a check, guess what? Logically, that's the same thing. You got your hand out. And so if you tell people to not stop begging for white people for handouts then stop working and 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 waiting for a handout for for that friday's check or that every check every two weeks or or once a month check to right. be done so i mean that's really it's real silly when people until people really address it and really address what's going on then people are not going to understand it. that's why i said from the start it's it comes out of ignorance when people make those kind of statements um stop begging white people for this and that and like you said, people don't know history and people don't understand politics or civics because let's take affirmative action. For example, the 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 um, the biggest beneficiary of affirmative action was who? White women. Exactly. A lot of people don't understand and don't know that that right. white women are the biggest beneficiaries of affirmative action. Yeah, and, and even white women are the biggest recipients of welfare. But you want to depict, depict black women as welfare queens, remember? Mm-hmm. In the 80s, they called us welfare queens and they put up a picture of a black woman. But white women are actually the biggest you know, recipients of even welfare. Right. And so pe- people don't understand. They don't understand. You know, they don't take time. You know, um, and it may be the educational system or how this, this stuff is being taught. But we have to do better. You know, period. We have to do better. Uh, for all these things so you know there's a lot of that going on and see and this is part of phase one see that's why ados is not only a political advocacy movement it is an educational so it's it's educational it's a civics we have to educate people on politics on civics on citizenship on on rights and things you know um and that's and that's where where you know everybody's kind of bumping heads because we got grown adults who think they know and because everybody has access and, and everybody's opinion can be made known and voiced through social media now that it becomes a little bit more difficult to educate and let this, you know, kind of sink in. And so people exactly. are pushing back and people are fighting on it, offering their opinion, uninformed opinions at that. So we got to we got to do better. So, you know, that's that's what this is about. So ADOS is not just. You know this this fly by night um, type of thing, you know. And um, I guess when we get into some of the uh, clips, 
Oh, but yeah, I guess I'll wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm no, about to jump. don't do that to me. Finish your thought, please. Finish your thought. No, I was just, I was just saying, um, because it was, it was something else you mentioned. Like you said, what, what do I say to you? Mentioned three things. We, we talked about two just now. What was the third one? The third one was people who believe that reparations are divisive. Right. Okay. So now to that, it's, it's all of it's based on ignorance. So again, that is just people who don't understand what reparations is. Right. And, and that it is a claim. It is a justice claim. And when you deal with a claim, you have to have you dealing with parties to a claim. And although reparations is is being dealt with through the um, legislative branch of government, which is Congress and not the judicial branch of government, it is framed similar to as if it was going to go through judicial branch. By that, I mean, it's like it's almost like a lawsuit, but it's not a lawsuit. And so if you were to file a lawsuit um, and I, an example I always use, let's say you and I um, are brothers and sisters and we live in the same household in the whole nine. We are fully blood, full blood brothers and sisters. If you go to Home Depot and a shelf falls on you by fault of the of the store and, right. and you get injured and everything, you can sue them for damages. And then if I go to Walmart. And the same thing happens to me. I can sue Walmart for damages. Now, in my lawsuit, I can't include you, even though we're brothers and sisters. And I would love to include you because that would mean more money or, right. or whatever. I can't do it because you're not a party to that situation, those damages and all that specific specificity there. And it's likewise, you can't add me to your lawsuit because I don't I don't have any standing. I don't have any grounds there. I don't have any interest in, in your suit and so when people say rep reparations is divisive what they're talking about is the fact that we had to we have to establish inclusion and exclusion um facts in terms of who is a party to this reparative justice claim and those people who are party to it are people who are um american citizens who are descendants of victims of the institution of slavery and all of its vestiges. No one else. And Sheila Jackson Lee made that clear at yesterday's hearing, although she didn't say the words specifically ADOS, but she made it clear that it's just us African-Americans because you gotta understand HR 40, the language of HR 40 has the word African-Americans there. Okay. ADOS is, is adding more specificity to that word because of the dancing and the playing around with that term African-American because African-American um, in regular public discourse has become synonymous with black. Right. And when you're dealing with law and everything, you have to be very specific. So that ambiguity had to be removed. So ADOS is, is more specific. All right. So people need to understand that, too. But that's really what they're talking about when they're saying divisive. It's not divisive. It's, it's just people have to come to an understanding. It does, and, and it's a wake up call. Because for too long, we have been operating in this, this sea of blackness, not understanding that we have dynamics within the blackness that, we, right. that we all share. And, and until we, we embrace that and we operate just in the, in the broad blackness, we're going to remain in the basement where we are in terms mm. of the hierarchy. And, and so last, I want to say this. If people still have a problem and of understanding, look at 
black people, the, the general flat blackness, everybody who considers and calls themselves black in this country, right? Look at that as a building. ADOS it are tenants within the building. Black immigrants are tenants within that building as well because black is black. Because if a police officer, a racist police officer pulls over a black immigrant or an ADOS person, they're not going to be asking and making any distinction. So we understand that. So that's what I mean by we're all in the same building, but we don't live on the same floor. So ADOS is in the basement. When leaks happen, the basement floods. That's where we're at. And so people have to understand that and respect that and that and that that different levels or that differentiation has to be made because we have a specific claim because of our position. And that's what people have to understand and respect. So our, our own people within our own building, our brothers and sisters who share our blackness and we share theirs, they also have to respect the fact that within that blackness, we still have a little bit. We have a unique claim. We have we have a different claim, even though. Um, black immigrants may be may have come from the Caribbeans who themselves were are also victims of of slavery, you know, being being brought there. This claim is very specific. And that's just has to be understood. That's it. Yeah. OK. All right. I'll make sure you were there. I thought I lost you. No, no, no. I was saying that. That's it. I mean, I mean, it's the movement and the idea of reparations is not divisive. It's not divisive. And um, and that whole divisive talk, I'm going to tell you, it originates from the opposition. It's just that we're, you know, naive enough to accept it and run with it and popularize it. But that whole idea about reparations as 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 the the the. The move to re reparative justice being divisive, that comes from white America in opposition to it. Because they say that bringing up reparations, period, is going to draw a wedge in the country among race relations. That's where that whole divisive talk comes from. Because they want to ignore it. They're like, well, I didn't own any slaves. You know, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I got black neighbors and black best friends and this and that and whatnot can we you know let's just get past it and move on you know you got celebrity you got black people got money to you know this that that's the attitude and i like mm -hmm. well if and if you keep bringing this up and stuff like that and slavery the whole idea of slavery and this it's divisive it's divisive that's where that comes from we took it and now we say it's divisive even among us and that's crazy mm -hmm. that's crazy so Nahisi, what 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 say you on 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 any of this stuff so far? If you're able to talk to us, uh, I mean, I, I agree with the ADOS movement. I agree with that. It's just that our people, our people, don't even know what an African American is. They confused. <laughs> and right. I, think, man, see, I put a post up. I put a post up probably about an hour and a half ago. Go read the comments. Mm. They are, they are confused. I told him that Obama is not a, a African American. He's not. I put he's a, not. I put a video up of Obama saying that he's Kenyan American, and they say he's incorrect. 
I don't I don't know what to say no more. Hey, Brother Nahisi, how do you feel about um, Professor Jane Small's description of the African-American identity? I put it on my YouTube page. And I'm going to have to go to your page and uh, watch it. Yeah, I think it was a I think it was a wonderful description of what the African-American identity is. Well, Jairo, let me ask you this. Um, I mean, it's an eight minute video. Do you, do you think we have time to play it or do you want to just kind of jump into the testimonies from yesterday? Um, well, hey, I mean, it's, it, we can roll however long we roll. So, um, you know, uh, we could do whatever. I'm, I'm game for whatever. Uh, All right, let, so, me know if you, let me know if you can hear it. Matter of fact, let me send it to you and maybe you can play it. All right. Yeah, and then that'll be. Because I don't know if we want to um, get some views of, of people who are watching and listening in. Because, you know, I always like the interaction, but I know that can definitely extend the video um, our session. But I w I w I'll be interested to see what other people think about, um, you know, all this. And we haven't even gotten into the um, the hearing from yesterday, man. So, all right, I'll, I'll be I'll be quick. I just really I agree with Nahisi that people just don't know what it means to be an African American, and I think that's important in this discussion for reparations. Um, you know, like even when the guy Colin Hughes spoke yesterday, I was thinking to myself, what the hell is he doing speaking on? You know, speaking on said topic. Like he's a he's a Puerto Rican American. Um, I think one parent is Puerto Rican and the other one may be African-American. I'm not sure. But I just felt like, um, you know, he doesn't understand, you know, the African-American struggle because he's not technically an African-American. And I'm not saying because you're not an African-American, you can't understand the struggle. But um, many of us, Ujawa, we just don't understand what an African-American is. I mean, you know, you got, I have, I have students at Morgan State University who are from, you know, uh, Ghana and Nigerian, I'm sorry, Nigeria, Ghana, and even Kenya, and they refer to themselves as an African-American. Mm -hmm. You know, so anyway, I just sent it to you, Brother Wujau. Okay, let me see if I could um, play this. Uh, give me one second. Okay, so I'm just going to play the audio. So those of you who are watching and listening, um, I'm just going to play the audio. And you said, you said, it's the, play the whole uh, the whole thing, or is it a certain portion? Uh, he's talking about the African American identity. I mean, we can cut it off um, whenever, but okay, I'll he's just I'll let it. An African American identity. Okay, I'll just let it play. So you all listen up. All right. Enslaved Africans in the United States of America. That's who the African American is, and we must assert our identity. If you're from Jamaica, you're not an African American. If you're born in Jamaica, if you're from Nigeria. You're not an African-American, you're a Nigerian-American. And if you're from Jamaica, you're a Jamaican-American. There's only one group whose legal title is African-American, and that's the formerly enslaved Africans in the United States of America, because that is a culture unto itself. That is a historical epic and episodes unto itself. And so we allow people to have us deny our identity as African-Americans while other Africans come from other places and try to assume that identity for economic reasons and political reasons, and yet do not ally themselves with the African-American in most instances, uh, that those immigrant African community tend to ally themselves with the European-American 
not understanding what the historical relationship um, between the African-American and the European-American is, or the war, the cultural war and the spiritual war and the economic war and the political war that still exists between those two communities. So when you're an African from another place and you come and say, well, I can't get caught up in that, I'm here to make money, then you ally yourself with someone I'm at war with and wonder why I treat you a certain way. Mm. So you need to understand what you have just done. Besides disrespecting me and my country, something I would never do to you in your country, I would not go to Senegal and choose the side of the French against you. I would not come to Jamaica and choose the side of the Brits against you. So why would you come to America and choose the side of the white American for whatever reason, economic, political, cultural, or whatever, against me and my interests, and then tell me I'm unwelcoming to you? I welcome my friends and my brothers and sisters. I do not welcome my enemies, whether they look like me or not. Let's get that clear up front. Um, and then let's look at some of the episodes in the epic history of African Americans in this country. Can, can you define one thing? You used the terminology, others come uh, to my country. I, can United you clarify that my country, my country as opposed this to... This is the African-American country. There's no country called Africa. There's a race called Africa. There's a culture called Africa. There's a continent called Africa. But there is no country called Africa. And in the geopolitical definition of nationality, your nationality is the nation, state, or country that you belong to as a citizen and you pay taxes in. In that regard, the United States of America is the country of the African Americans. In the same way Jamaica or Trinidad or Haiti is the country of the Haitian, the Trinidadian, and Jamaican, and neither of them live in Africa. Okay. Why would All right, so we're going to be that. I think that is, uh, or should I play more? Because I think he hit all the points right there. No, no, no. He he hit it on he hit it on the ham on the nail. Right. So now, if people are listening to that and still and are still confused, this is this is the 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 point of phase one. This is why people are bumping heads, and this is something that that needs to be stressed and pointed out that that we have to clean house first, in house first, before we can even attempt to step outside of ourselves and then start to advocate to other groups. And so among this flat blackness, what Professor Small has just said, that has to be understood. And that's the reality that we have to face. It's not even good or bad. And, and the only people that will be offended by that are people who have become soft and insecure. And, 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 and you know, they're swimming in their ignorance of, of what he said. But that's just a reality. And so people understand that Africa is not a country, but we talk about it. As if Africa is a country. And it's weird when you think about it. Because when we talk about Africa, we definitely talk about Africa as if it's a country and not, you know, containing 54 um, countries, country. right? right? Countries with, with multiple, multiple, multiple languages, multiple different uh, cultures and even nuances within cultures and all kinds of things. We just, we just flat. We're the only ones that do that. Right. But, you know. And now through social media, now people on the continent do it too, but but not so much. The the older folks, they don't do that. They don't do that. They see the, the beauty and the diversity. They don't see diversity as a problem. Because they, they understand the macro-micro relationship that they can be uh, unique, 
within a system of oneness. And that's how the human body operates itself. The heart is not going to try to the heart is not jealous of the liver. The liver is not jealous of the lungs. But yet the heart, the liver and the lungs understand um, that they're part of a system. And I'm not trying to say that they're people to understand, but I'm saying these are organs that are part of a larger system. And so we look at ourselves in the same way. And we need to look, look at ourselves in the same way. Those who don't, they're the only ones who have a problem. They think that, you know, it's, it's different. It's not. So I, so what he was saying is right on point. So you're right. Um, um, the African-American identity. Um, now, the only thing that ADOS differs is that because of what he said, because remember, he's, he, he cited a problem. He said that there are people. First of all, there are those among us who are denying that identity. And then there's people who are not really that identity, who are assuming that identity. Mm -hmm. And so what ADOS does, it cures that problem. It says, listen, we are specifically United States citizens because because what he said is wrapped up in, in their acronym ADOS. The A stands for American. And so we embrace our Americanness because our ancestors built this country and we are citizens of the country. Now, that sounds weird. There's, there's a lot of people in, in the black community who can't even fix their mouth to say my country like that those two words my country mm. there's people who can't even say that and and they got to check themselves of why but american is the first word in the acronym american and then descendants talk about lineal descendants that's lineage okay lineage and then of the the s and the, the o is for of and the s is for the institution of slavery and so we are american citizens who are lineal descendants of victims of the institution of slavery and all of its vestiges. And we are unique in that way, in that sense. And, and our uniqueness brings about a justice claim. And so what he's saying, people who are also recent descendants of from, from the continent of Africa, they are our brothers and sisters. And we are all one on that level. That's a higher level. That's a that's an inclusive level. But when you come down to the more detailed level of this justice claim, we have to make those distinctions. Absolutely. But anyway, Brother Ujaro, I just wanted to express that um, I just don't appreciate that when we make the distinction that, um, you know, it, we're, we're being accused of being divisive. Um, I've even seen in my own classroom um, Africans, continental Africans, make distinctions and i'm talking about you know continental africans who were from the same country um i have a lot of a lot of students from nigeria and they'll say well i'm yoruba you know some people say i'm yoruba some people say i'm Igbo. i'm Igbo. i'm Igbo. i'm yoruba and I, I mean and it's okay you know they're just making a distinction and you know but they don't get accused of being divisive but when we the african-americans say hey i want to make you know a distinction between you know us and the flat black construct, we get accused of being divisive. But people do it all the time, Ujaru. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I see it in my classroom. They do it all the time. But when we do it, now we're being divisive. Exactly. You know. And so I just wanted to add that. I just don't appreciate being accused of being divisive. You know, or being you know impartial or whatever. You know, when we wanna when we wanna make a distinction. Or, uh, you know, when we want to make a distinction. So so what's the consequence of that? The consequence uh, to that is is because we don't feel like fighting, 
then we give up. We give it up. And then we never get anything done. Meanwhile, everybody around us does it. So it, it's like a reverse psychology thing. It's, it's like very hypocritical. Like it's like a group, of, a group of people do it. But then when you do it, they get mad. And because they get mad, you stop doing it. But yet they, they do what they do all the time. And then you can't get what you need done done. And so that's what happens. And, and you hear this word tribalism being tossed around as if that's bad. You know, when on the continent of Africa, that's what it is. But like I said, people, people who understand, they understand micro macro relationships. The human body is, is the most empirical demonstration of that. Where you have elements of the human body that work together for the, for the whole. And so that's how human organisms work. We, call, we just simply call them communities of people. And so that's how we're supposed to operate. It's supposed to work. But, you know, we got to twist it. So that's, that, that's what's going on. So that's what I would tell to the, those people. And, and people have to understand, you know. Um, but, yeah, uh, Professor Small is on point with that. That's my first time uh, seeing it. I actually saw, um, saw it, but I, I don't think I've ever watched that because I don't remember him. Unless that's a part of a larger um, video. I just don't remember that part. But that's good. No doubt. No doubt. So, Jaro, you know I'm anxious to get to the, the people from yesterday who, right. um, who testified. And so could you run down the, the witnesses um, on the list? Okay. So let's, let's – okay. So, all right. We're going to talk about um, this hearing – uh, that took place yesterday. So the witnesses are. Um, so we have um, Senator Cory Booker. He was the first one to speak. And he was because he's a senator. He his um, his spill. His speech was a little handled a little differently. He wasn't part of the um, the, the panel. Um, and he spoke kind of solo. Uh, so he was the first. And then you had um, Ta-Nehisi Coates was a witness on the panel you had uh, actor danny glover you had um a film producer and director katrina brown uh you had a writer coleman hughes um then you had um former of uh, national uh, nfl player uh burgess owens and then you had um dr malvu uh malvo and then uh, after her was uh, someone I didn't catch his name, um, but uh, but and he's not listed on this this list. We'll get to him today when you we'll get to him when you play <clears throat> when you play his um his five minute you know testimony. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to him. Okay. But so. I just want to express that um, you know I didn't appreciate um, Danny Glover. Uh, the former football player, and even the reverend um, being a part of this um, this witness list. Um, <laughs> a former football player, an actor, and a reverend. You know, you know, this is a conversation like you have have stated. You know, several times, it's about reparative justice. So, in my opinion, the panel should have been filled with historians, lawyers. An economist, exactly. not an actor, not a football, former football player, and not a pastor. Now, if we were talking about, you know, Hollywood, 
you know, in acting, then yes, Danny Glover should have been a part of it because that's his specialty. If we were talking about, you know, football, then yes, maybe the football, the former football player should have been a part of that. If this was a, a issue of morale, a moral issue that we were dealing with, then yes, the reverend should have been a part of it. But we're dealing with, as you stated before, a reparative justice claim. Therefore, historian, uh, e economist, and a, um, what did I say before? An histor historian, economist, and what was the third one I said, Wujaru? Lawyer. Lawyer should have been a part of the panel. So I was disgusted when I saw, and even when I heard Danny Glover, I was just like, what is he doing here? When I listened to the, the pastor, I was like, what is he doing here? And the former football player. But I, and I also want to add, Wujaru, that when, um, when all of them spoke, my mind went back to Blueprint for Black Power, chapter 31. In that, in chapter 31, it was entitled The Crisis of Leadership. And in this chapter, um, Dr. Amos Wilson um, describes three ideological orientations that are exhibited by black people, or in, 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 particular, in particular, black leadership. And he said the assimilationist uh, slash moralist um, ideology, uh, neoconservative or bourgeois ideology, and the cultural nationalist ideology. Now, yesterday, when I listened to this panel speak, I can say that I definitely identified two out of two out of the three ideological orientations, um, and they were the assimilationists and definitely the neoconservative. So we'll get into that, um, Brother Wujaro, when you play the clips. Okay. So yeah, but I, I I share your same sentiment, and um and also for those who are listening, you know I know we haven't really shout out the um the viewers and everything, so definitely um Black African Power as we say uh, to everybody who's watching and tuned in, um and we want to kind of get some participation from everybody, so you know we're gonna kind of give this commentary that we're giving, and then you know seek and see what what everybody else is talking about because I'm, I'm glancing at the chat and i see some people have some comments so you may have to restate your comments and everything so i don't know dr might if you want to um at the you know as our, our last uh segment to invite people to um voice their opinions as well but oh definitely because i see some people in the chat room are saying oh he's a very active activist but yeah. this isn't about his activism his his expertise is acting He's, he's not an expert in, in in economics. You know, he's not an expert in law and he's not an expert in history. So that's and not his. I don't care what your activism There's A lot of people out here. I can call up 300 gangsters. They're very active in the community. But that doesn't mean they need to be on a panel, you know, testifying on behalf of the black community for reparations. So, yes, um, brother, we'll drive to answer your question at the end. We can definitely get some other people on the panel and entertain, you know, their um you know their yeah. um their opinions and and ideas right. so i'm, I'm okay. looking for that okay so let's let's frame this up a little bit so so um first of all the hearing so to let everyone know <clears throat> the hearing uh was almost a last minute thing okay it was only announced just a few days prior to it it taking place okay so it was on short notice relative to those kinds of hearings so that that should be number one for people to understand and maybe that's why the viewership was was the way it was and and so on and so forth but that's no excuse and what that tells us is that this most important political topic is 
being handled from the get go as something that could be thrown together at the last minute. OK, so that's strike number one for the whole the whole hearing in and of itself. Now, I know, you know, it became last minute because of Juneteenth. They wanted to have it on Juneteenth to have some kind of symbolism and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, as a consequence, it was thrown together. All right. So that's one. Now, um, another thing is at those congressional hearings, people have to understand and be rooted in the correct expectations of what those hearings are all about. And so a lot of people who are, who were watching and made comments about it, they have the wrong expectations. And when those expectations are not fulfilled, then they have something negative to say about it or, you know, they, they walk away with a different um, um, outlook. OK, so expectations to line them up to, to to have correct expectations is very important when you're dealing with stuff like this um, Two, the structure of the hearing itself. You have um, congressmen that um, they have a certain uh, etiquette. They have a certain, you know, um, system and procedure that they follow where they they give a person five minutes. Uh, you have a person who chairs the whole meeting. Then you have the person, another person who's like a sub chair um um it's usually two people two main people and then then the mic is kind of passed around that's pretty that's common uh procedure and allow people to talk and so on and so forth so people have to understand how those hearings actually um transpire just in their their regular um structure the 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 uh, format of of the of such a hearing then people have to understand what the hearing is for and the hearing was for whether H.R. 40 to hear testimony concerning H.R. 40 to edify the 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 Congress people members that were there so that they can take that testimony under consideration in their um, documentation and deliberations. OK, so people have to understand the, the, the purpose of the hearing in the first place. And it was all about H.R. 40. And remember, H.R. 40 is to establish a commission. It's not reparations itself and they reiterate they kept reiterating that they said it's not a conclusion hr 40 is not a conclusion it's it's the beginning of the conclusion or that would that was sh something should lead to a conclusion and then four uh, what people have to understand is that when you call witnesses uh to testify you want to call the most qualified witness to testify on whatever the subject matter um or the issue is at hand and so that's an issue that we're going to address the qualifications of these witnesses. And Dr. Mild already um, uh, mentioned it. And then the last thing that people have to um, put in their mind is what's next. Now that the hearing has, has taken place, what what's next? What comes after? So we can walk through those, um, you know, dance around those those, those points uh, while we go through their testimony. So if you want to. Um, so how do you want to you want to just. Let's walk through different uh, testimony of everyone and then give some commentary. Want to do it that way? Yes. Okay. So I have it on my screen. Now, they, now they were given five minutes apiece, and I, I named quite a few people. So not to extend uh, this video too long. Uh, on some of them, we may not play the whole thing, but we want, we want to play some key points and just give some commentary because we already watched the, the video. and we, But we want to kind of be fresh in our comments on what they're saying so let me get my cursor back over here all right so you all listen up and let me see if i can fast forward it let's see we are um going 
So just real quickly, I'm gonna put on the screen. I'm not even gonna play it. Uh, Mr. Cohen is the chairman uh, of the the hearing. Then you have this person here, uh, uh, Mr. Johnson, who's a who's the ranking member of this particular um, committee. And those are the two. When I said two, you know, usually it's two people who are the main people. Those are the two. All right. So just showing you that. And this is um, Sheila Jackson Lee. And I believe we should play her opening statement. I believe this is her first it, statement. It was powerful. It was powerful, John. All right. So let me get it to the beginning of her statement. Yeah. She, she right. set the stage for it. She, she set the stage. Okay. Now, mind you all, um, if you if you don't know, this this actual meeting room can only hold but so many people. So what they did, they had three spillover rooms so there was a lot of people there they just didn't they just didn't you couldn't see that because of the cameras weren't on them the cameras were, were in this main room but there were three spillover rooms that that had people in them so so it was a it was a quite a bit uh a turnout i'm sure people had their their phones and and recording i saw the uh, new black panther party there uh malik zulu shabazz um was there i saw his his he had broadcast live so I saw him uh, and others, and there was a lot of people with ADOS shirts, hashtag ADOS shirts. But they didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't see, you see them on the camera. But you saw a lot of them there in those blue and black ADOS shirts uh, that were there as well. So anyway, I'm gonna play um, Sheila Jackson Lee's opening. I'm not sure this is an opening, but she made a statement. But let me pre let me pre uh, preface this. Now Sheila Jackson Lee has received criticism just like everybody else. Okay, by ADOS in general and specifically Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore. Now, people think that the criticism is because Sheila Jackson Lee is not ADOS or that she's a, a black immigrant or one of her parents is black immigrant, one of her parents is ADOS or whatever the case is. And then they dive and focus in on the, on the petty gossip and, and that stuff, not realizing that. The criticism Sheila Jackson Lee was receiving was not because of that. It was because of the lack of what was going on and what was being done at that particular time. All right. And I say that and I preference her speech now with that is because when somebody is lacking, we put fire up under them. When somebody's doing what they're supposed to do, we champion them. That's the nature of advocacy. It's not about them. It's not personal. It's about getting the job done. So if you're doing your job and you're doing the best job and it's and it's working, it's getting done. We are behind it. And 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 when lights camera action is 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 in real time. Boom. We're going to we support. But if you messing up, we're going to make sure, you know, you're messing up because it's our job to do that. It's our responsibility. If you're going to be be the one to speak for us and do this and do that. That's our job. So anyway, let's listen identity of H.R. 4 as a legitimate legislative action that should receive the full hearing of this committee, should in fact have a markup, go to the floor of the House, go to the United States Senate, and be signed by the President of the United States of America. One second. Pause right here. What she just said just now was the procedural steps of, of a bill. That's just common thing you're supposed to learn in high school. If you if you watch the cartoon, the uh, Schoolhouse Rock, I'm just a bill and stuff, you learn it right there. You know, a bill is submitted. It is uh, endorsed, submitted, 
uh, you get co-sponsors on it. It uh, goes through committee. It receives a markup to hit the floor for, to where it's officially um, uh, voted on, taken to the other branch or the other um, uh, body, which would be the Senate in this case. They do the same. If there's no changes to it and it's all agreed upon, then it hits the president's desk for a signature and the bill is signed into law. That's just the gist. All right. So she didn't say anything special, but a lot of people may not be aware of it. So I'm pointing it out. This is a action of legislative commitment, and this is not a symbolic action, though I am gratified that we are having this hearing on Juneteenth. And for those of us who understand Juneteenth, two years after the proclamation, Emancipation Proclamation, there were those Africans who did not have freedom until 1865. So let me begin and indicate to my friends who have expressed a variety of assessments of H.R. 40 and say that America is a place that welcomes the diversity of thought. We even welcome the diversity of thought among the multicolored chocolate people that are African Americans, descendants of African slaves. Let me be very clear. It is only this group, even though they attempted to enslave Native Americans, it is only this group that can singularly, singularly claim to have been slaves under the auspices, the institution, and leadership of the United States government. I got to pause right here. And, and y'all can chime in too. I'm pausing as she say certain things. It's because... Look, look, I'm yelling through the mute button, right? Like that was facts. <laughs> that right. was facts. Right. And so I want to pause here because although she did not say A-D-O-S, her, right. her statement here reflects A-D-O-S. And I just want to make that clear. I hope people get that in their minds because she said that it's only one group here that can claim this claim and be under and was under the auspices of of the atrocities that were done by this government. Okay, so so that is what the definition of ADOS is, although she did not say ADOS. All right, I just want to make it clear. And plus, HR forty does not mention ADOS as an acronym. It's, it's talking about African Americans. So she's speaking in that context. But I just want to be clear to everybody who's listening to us now that her, what she outlined is ADOS. So uh, you got something? You got something to add to that? Before I hit play? No, go ahead, hit play. Okay. All right. And so, HR forty is in fact is in fact the response of the United States of America long overdue. Slavery is the original sin. Slavery has never received an apology. This commission would be comprised of members selected by the President of the United States the Speaker of the House, the leader, and of course, those who've been entrenched in this process. I spoke to John Conyers yesterday. I'm honored to have been given the opportunity to lead this bill. John Conyers said to move on and to lead on, and for us to take this forward. Thank you, Congressman John Conyers, for all that you have done. So let me uh, share with you just a sense of what we face. Let me first of all say 
the number of Africans who died in the Middle Passage, over 2 million. Number of enslaved who died during slavery, first, second, and third generation, over 2.5 million. The transatlantic slave trade was the largest movement of people in history. Between 10 and 15 million Africans were forcibly transported across the Atlantic between 1500 and 1900. At least 2 million Africans, 10 to 15 percent, died in the infamous Middle Passage, as I said, and another 15 to 30 percent died during the march to or confinement along the coast. Altogether, for every 100 slaves who reached the New World, another 40 died in Africa or during the Middle Passage. I have to pause it here, and uh, you could, uh, if you want to give your thought, Dr. Mahat. But this, what she just did there, it it eliminates or it it sets the stage for those who don't even believe slavery occurred. Right. So those people who don't accept the statements that she just made, they're not even they're not even inclusive. They can't help and they can't support this, and it's they're dead weight. And we just have to understand that. And so either we can educate those people to convince them or we have to eliminate them from 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 among this particular uh, effort because they're, they're just going to uh, um, be a distraction and dead weight. And that has to be made clear because because we're we're this is this is not a game like we have to be specific and, and execute and execute these things. So anybody's going to be a distraction. They, they just got to roll out. They got to, you know, miss us with that. Just just y'all over there and it's cool. We still no love lost, but get out of our way. That's it. So you got something to say to that? Oh, no, no, no. Keep going. Okay. Who has a history like that? Reparations and the idea of this commission should be welcomed by all Americans. For we are not asking one American to give one payment. What we're saying is it's the only way that slavery ended was a governmental action of the 13th Amendment, governmental action. And Reconstruction failed after 12 years because it was imploded by governmental people. And after Reconstruction, a reign of terror that had never been seen, the hanging fruit, the lynching, the oppression of voting, the tearing away of land, and the amazing concept of the continuing de jure and de facto impact of slavery today. One million African Americans are incarcerated. That is a continuing impact. The black employment rate is 6.6%, in spite of what has been said currently, more than double the national unemployment rate. 31% of black children live in poverty compared to 11% of white children. The natural average is 18%, which suggests the percentage of black children living in poverty is more than 150%. Even in spite of the glorious overcoming of the talent that is part of our community, the scrapping together of making sure our children received education, the putting together something out of nothing, we still have been impacted. And only 57% of black students have access to full range of math and science classes today. Black children were vaccinated at rates lower than white children. Education mobility has been limited. Black children represent 19% of the nation's preschool population, yet 47% of those receiving more than one out-of-school suspension. 
Black students are 2.3 times as likely to receive a referral to law enforcement. And we know the criminal justice system. So I conclude by these words. Black people in America are the descendants of Africans kidnapped and transported to the United States with the explicit complicity of the US government and every arm of the United States lawmaking and law enforcement infrastructure. Pause. She just defined ADOS once again. Just want to point that out, although she didn't say ADOS. And I'm going to keep saying this because people, this is to handle those people who are saying divisive and why is, why is there a distinction being made? It has to be made. All right. So just keep that in mind. The dehumanizing and atrocities of slavery were not isolated occurrences, but mandated by federal laws that were codified and enshrined in the Constitution. The role of the federal government in supporting the institution of slavery and subsequent discrimination directed against blacks is an injustice that must be formally acknowledged and addressed. I am not here in anger or anguish. I am not in any way seeking to encourage hostilities. There are diverse opinions in this room, and I understand it, appreciate it, respect it, admire it, and love it. I'm a product of my history. I am clearly a child that has walked this path. No, I did not pick cotton. But I will say that those who picked cotton created the very basic wealth of this nation, for cotton was king. There was no other product. And so I asked my fellow colleagues that this is simply a constructive discussion that will lead to the practical responses. And if I might, Mr. Chairman, put this article in the record from the New York Times uh, dated June 17th, downtown boom, Kansas City, Missouri, and just a few blocks away, devastation in the black community. Two cities, mostly in every area, I ask unanimous consent, Mr. Chairman. Without objection. Two cities, I also ask unanimous consent to put a statement of support from John Legend. Without objection. Two cities, Mr. Chairman. And so let me just conclude by saying, I hope that we come in peace. I know that we'll hear from Senator Booker. I thank him. And I thank a number of others who have done this, including the heads of state, scholars, and activists in the Caribbean, are playing a leading role in the global reparation movement. Many have been inspired by our work. I'm delighted to see that Professor Sir Hilary Beckles, Vice Chancellor of the University of West Indies and Chairman of CARICON Reparations Commission has traveled all the way from Jamaica to be here. Thank you. I am particularly glad that we're, we're coming together as brothers and sisters and passing out accolades. I want to certainly acknowledge INCOBRA for its steadfast leadership on this issue over the years and playing an instrumental role in garnering sponsors of H.R. 40. We're also delighted that several members of the National African American Reparations Commission are present. I want to thank them for working closely with the Dean, Congressman John Conyers, in reforming H.R. 40 into a bill to study reparations. I'm delighted to have reintroduced it with its modification and carrying it forward to its next level. Thank you, Dr. Ron Daniels. We thank you for your leadership. Look forward to working with you in the National African American Reparations Commission as we educate the nation on the importance of enacting H.R. 40. And I'd like to thank Reverend Al Sharpton, National Action Network's convention, uh, because he asked 15 presidential candidates uh, what their position was, and we now have raised this to a national level. I just simply ask, why not? And why not now? All right. So that's basically her 
um, opening. Oh, I didn't mean to click that. Opening um, spill. So, any any comments? Um, no, I think that she did a wonderful job just laying down, you know, uh, the, the case for reparations. Um, after she spoke, uh, there was a guy named Mr. Michael. Um, oh my goodness, a guy named Mr. Michael Johnson. Um, Mr. Johnson, he, I think he spoke. No, he didn't. Oh, so he must have spoke before her. So Cory, so Cory Booker spoke after her. Mm. Okay, okay. So never mind. I, I, I thought that um, Mr. Johnson was going to speak after her, but he didn't. He spoke before. Okay. Um, so one comment I do want to make <clears throat> is that she closed by acknowledging. You know some of the organizations that we are we are familiar with and have heard uh, she mentioned in cobra she mentioned narc and so on and so forth and uh gave them you know uh dimensions and things and also the um action uh network with al sharpton and everything uh the one thing one uh criticism i have with that part is is the fact that um that these organizations have done what they've done and still continue to do what they do but to not understand and to mention the the ADOS movement as being a um, timely in season um, catalyst for the position and space that we're in right now, that to me was an omission that that um, should be corrected because uh, Al Sharpton, people have to understand, HR forty has is thirty years old. Never has HR 40 been in the position and in the, on the tips of the tongues of people and um, where it is now in its 30 year history. And so you got to ask yourself, well, what's different? Because Encobra has been around since the 80s. Mm. Um, these other groups have been around for quite a while now. And, and they've been doing their thing. So we can't take nothing away from these other organizations at all. But to ignore or to omit the current thrust and where it comes from and and the advocacy that's going on is 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 not um that needs to be corrected and so i just that's the only thing that i have to uh, have to say to that and i and i understand that it doesn't come to the to the light because of the nature of it and this is different this advocacy is different this is not the advocacy of the old of the of the you know of what people are used to you know like i said this phase one people are people are 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 getting checked and criticized and critiqued regardless of who they are we're not people are not looking for friends we're not looking to team up and be buddy buddy uh how many how many you know kumbaya no it's about the agenda it's not about the person and so that's what people got to understand it's the difference yeah, and, and Brother Ujawa, I did want to, even though we're not going to play, I believe the guy's name is Michael Johnson. He spoke before her, and I want to just, oh, you know, I, I tell could play it. I, could, I could play yeah. it. it. It was quick. Might as well play yeah. it. No, I don't, I don't want to play him. I just, I, I wrote down his major points okay, what's um, yesterday. Yeah, this guy right here on the screen. Um, and, and I also want them to, to, for the folks who didn't watch it, just to know what the counter argument is. So I think that Sheila made a, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, did a wonderful job laying down the case for reparations. But this guy right here, um, Mr. Johnson, 
he opposes reparation. And I, I did kind of want to tell them what the, you know, what his, what his, you know, ideas are about reparations, which are really the, the, the counter arguments that people use, you know, when they want to oppose reparations. So for one, he said that reparations, that is unfair to Europeans who migrated here after slavery or whites who fought on the Union side or the descendants of the whites who fought on the Union side to pay for, uh, to pay reparations. So he says unfair to Europeans who migrated here after slavery, like their descendants, and also descendants of whites who fought on the Union side. Uh, so that would be unfair to them. He said that a small percentage of people owned slaves. So he said that was a subset, a small subset of Americans who owned slaves. Uh, then he started listing various people who opposed reparations. He, he named Obama. I knew that was going to come up. He named Obama and, and, and said that Obama, um, he opposed reparations. And I, I believe, Ujabu, he also said that Martin Luther King at one point um, was opposed to reparations. Even though I have a video of Dr. Martin Luther King saying, I'm coming to Washington and getting my check. So I don't know what kind of history he's been reading, but he said that Martin Luther King opposed slavery. And then he also said that it was unconstitutional for the federal government to provide race-based remedies. So right. that was, you know, his counter argument to um, uh, reparations. So right. I kind of wanted to just, you know, lay that out so people will know what the arguments are. So I'm glad you brought that up because anybody who's been paying attention, and this is and this is the benefit of ADOS advocacy, is because everything you said, which is what he said, has been addressed and and it's it's known that this is what people say. So anybody who's been following the advocacy movement has and has been educating themselves, they know that everything that this that is has been said is full of it. Everybody knows that. All right. So um and the the response to that. Now later on, uh, I believe Tatnahisi Coates is going to refute what he says. So so I think we're going to get to it. Oh but, yeah. Um, Hopefully everybody uh, pay attention to uh, to it. So, uh, so yeah, we get to that. But yeah, that's that's good to point out because those things are are you know a lot of things about this 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 hearing was already um, mentioned prior to the hearing. You know, because you you could see the writing on the wall. But uh, okay, so I won't play it, and um, we're gonna forward it to. I'm gonna skip Cory Booker's. Um, did you have anything, any, any, anything to say about what he said? Because, because I was uh, going to skip. He did a good job. I think he did a good job for the most part. Okay, we have to keep in mind that he's running, um, and he basically, um, you know, now, now for those who may not know, Cory Booker is the um, head sponsor for the um, companion bill in the Senate. Okay, um, of of HR forty, that is. I forget the exact number of the bill, but it's S something. Um, and it's a recent bill. And he's the one who uh, submitted that bill as a, a companion bill to H.R. 40 in the Senate. So it's appropriate for him to speak um, in this hearing and give his uh, words. So, you know, check it out. Uh, he basically um, repeated the things that he said before in the past. Um, and you have to understand, Cory Booker was not in. He did not have the same position. At, at first because his focus was on baby uh baby boom boomers i mean um baby bonds and things like that i don't know if people remember that and that was his focus he's running with that and stuff and so along the lines and this is something that was said as well 
that advocacy is a pressure and and people bend to pressure so even if people who are um not really thinking about reparations pessimistic about it or even against it there's still time to convince them and and that's part of the process and cory booker um represents that uh to a little to a little degree because he wasn't in the same position before but anyway um so we're gonna get to tanisi coates and so here he is since a piece in june 2014 on the case for reparations i believe he also addressed rhodes college on that subject sometime in memphis tennessee he's the author of three books numerous articles and blog posts mr coates thank you for being here and you're recognized for five minutes Yesterday, when asked about reparations, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered a familiar reply. America should not be held liable for something that happened 150 years ago, since none of us currently alive are responsible. This rebuttal proffers a strange theory of governance, that American accounts are somehow bound by the lifetime of its generations. But well into this century, the United States was still paying out pensions to the heirs of Civil War soldiers. We honor treaties that date back some 200 years, despite no one being alive who signed those treaties. Many of us would love to be taxed for the things we are solely and individually responsible for. But we are American citizens, and thus bound to a collective enterprise that extends beyond our individual and personal reach. It would seem ridiculous to dispute invocations of the founders or the greatest generation on the basis of a lack of membership in either group. We recognize our lineage as a generational trust, as inheritance. And the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. It is impossible to imagine America without the inheritance of slavery. As historian Ed Baptist has written, enslavement, quote, shaped every crucial aspect of the economy and politics of America, so that by 1836, more than 600 million, or almost half of the economic activity in the United States derived directly or indirectly from the cotton produced by the million-odd slaves. By the time the enslaved were emancipated, they comprised the largest single asset in America, $3 billion in $1860, more than all the other assets in the country combined. The method of cultivating this asset was neither gentle cajoling nor persuasion, but torture, rape, and child trafficking. Enslavement reigned for 250 years on these shores. When it ended, this country could have extended its hallowed principles, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to all regardless of color but America had other principles in mind. And so for a century after the Civil War, black people were subjected to a relentless campaign of terror, a campaign that extended well into the lifetime of Majority Leader McConnell. It is tempting to divorce this modern campaign of terror, of plunder, from enslavement. But the logic of enslavement, of white supremacy, respects no such borders. And the god of bondage was lustful, and begat many heirs, coup d'etats and convict leasing, vagrancy laws and debt peonage, redlining and racist GI bills, 
poll taxes, and state-sponsored terrorism. We grant that Mr. McConnell was not alive for Appomattox, but he was alive for the electrocution of George Stinney. He was alive for the blinding of Isaac Woodward. He was alive to witness kleptocracy in his native Alabama and a regime premised on electoral theft. Majority Leader McConnell cited civil rights legislation yesterday, as well he should, because he was alive to witness the harassment, jailing, and betrayal of those responsible for that legislation by a government sworn to protect them. He was alive for the redlining of Chicago and the looting of black homeowners of some $4 billion. Victims of that plunder are very much alive today. I am sure they'd love a word with the majority leader. What they know, what this committee must know, is that while emancipation dead bolted the door against the bandits of America, Jim Crow wedged the windows wide open. And that is the thing about Senator McConnell's something. It was 150 years ago, and it was right now. The typical black family in this country has one-tenth the wealth of the typical white family. Black women die in childbirth at four times the rate of white women. And there is, of course, the shame of this land of the free, boasting the largest prison population on the planet, of which the descendants of the enslaved make up the largest share. The matter of reparations is one of making amends and direct redress, but it is also a question of citizenship. In H.R. 40, this body has a chance to both make good on its 2009 apology for enslavement and reject fair-weather patriotism, to say that a nation is both its credits and its debits, that if Thomas Jefferson matters, so does Sally Hemings, that if D-Day matters, so does Black Wall Street, that if Valley Forge matters, so does Fort Pillow, because the question really is not whether we will be tied to the somethings of our past, but whether we are courageous enough to be tied to the whole of them. Thank you. All right, so uh, Dr. Maya, you, uh, I guess you go in on, on that first if you have anything. I, I just feel like he nailed it, Brother Ujawu. Um, I don't want to give it away for those who didn't watch it, but I mean, it, he, he was the best. <laughs> and my, well, no, the economist and the lawyer, they also did their thing. But I think Brother Ta-Nehisi Coates did a wonderful job, you know, laying it out. He reminds me of, like, when I was hearing him speak, I thought about James Baldwin, um, great writer. Um, but he put me in the mindset of a James Baldwin. But um, no, I don't have anything to add to what he said. I think that um, he did a beautiful job laying out the facts. Um, it was um, it was a very objective um, statement. Um, he laid out the facts, and um, and so that's all I have to add, Brother Wujaba. What are your thoughts about what he said? Well, I think that he addressed um, some of the running excuses that are made or some of the running talking points that have been made and he he made that very very clear by addressing uh mcconnell or whatever uh this the congress person was that he quoted from that he mentioned um and also what you had mentioned that uh the representative johnson that's that's there spoke on a bit so I, so so his opening basically kind of covered those things right and um and it made perfect uh sense and so, and people got to go back to Tana. He's the reason why he's there now. Now, even in this shot right here. So, if y'all can see my cursor, this is Tana Easy Coast, Danny Glover, mm -hmm. Katrina. Um, forgot her last name. Isn't it Brown um, or something? Brown, uh, Hughes, 
Owens, uh, the pastor that I didn't um, mention his name. His, his name wasn't on the list. Uh, Dr. Malvo. Uh, his name is Reverend Sutton. Reverend okay, Bishop Sutton. Sutton. Okay. Yeah. And their names are right there, but we can't see them. And then the last one, um, I forgot but his name there. Now, so let's talk about qualifications real quick because you mentioned this. Now we got this 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 thing up. So you mentioned lawyers, economists, and historians. And so out of this panel here, the only qualified person that fits that, if we're going to be strict on yours, is uh, Dr. <laughs> Malvo. Yes, that sister right there. She was powerful too. Right. Now yeah. that's if that's if we're being strict, like if that's the mandated qualifications. But if when even if we loosen it up a little bit, Tanisi Coates is there because he wrote the, a seminal um, article that that basically kickstarted the recent discussion. I mean, the discussion more in the recent era of time. I believe he did it in 2014. Right, the um, case for case for reparation. It was published um, in the Atlantic. Right. And so yeah, but I mean, really, when you think about it, Ujaru, and this is no diss, um, but I read the article, I read it a few times, and it really was an aggregate of other people's research. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in essence, I mean, we could have brought them and had them sit on the panel um, to, to talk about their research. Um, he, he's a journalist. That, that's what he is. He's a journalist. He's not a historian. He's a journalist. Mm -hmm. And so I think that he, he did a wonderful job speaking. Um, I, he was very eloquent. Um, he, he provided a lot of facts, but at the end of the day, he's a journalist and the paper he published really, like I said, was an aggregate of other people's research. And, and for all that, you could have brought them on the panel um, to speak. Quite frankly, Brother Wujawa, I would have preferred, you know, Dr. Claude Anderson um, on the panel. Um, I would have prefer preferred uh, Dr. Sandy Darity on the panel. Hell, I would have preferred Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore on the panel, you know, speaking. Um, I just, I don't, I don't like the lineup. I mean, I'm glad that you had this shot. I'm looking at Danny Glover. I'm looking at this white woman who found out that her parents or her great grandparents owned slaves. And, you know, then she traced her history. Like, what the hell was she there for? Then you got the, um, you got Hughes, Coleman Hughes, which was really a damn, you said you felt like he was a plant, but we'll get to him. You had the former football player who was advocating for a raceless society. I mean, he was saying things like, it's not about black and white. Um, it's not about color. It's not about race. You know, so he's an assimilationist. Then you had the pastor there who was trying to change it into a moral issue. And even when they had like the, the Q&A session, you had one of the house representatives ask him, what would Jesus do? And I'm sitting there thinking, Mujaba, what the hell does that have to do with <laughs> reparations? What would Jesus do about reparations? So, I mean... I just think that I, I do agree with a lot of people's sentiments that this was a, a dog and pony show. But go ahead. You, you can go ahead and play the rest. Okay. Um, so just, just my two cents on, on the lineup now. Um, see, it depends on the capacity of lineup. So we got what? How many? Uh, one, two, three, four, and eight. So it's eight. So we're dealing with eight people. So there's eight slots to fill. So you, you got you to look at it from a perspective of, of an organizer. Who who is organized and put together this committee and witness list? So if if you were limited to eight slots, then yes, uh, most of them need to swap out, you know. But if it's based on so, then you have okay, what what expertise or field do you need to cover? 
So you do need a historian. You need an economist. You need a, a lawyer, somebody that, that understands the, the law as it applies to Congress and what Congress can and cannot do and so on and so forth. So those, so those are three slots already. And because we're dealing with eight, you got five more. And you know so, what, Wujana, well, let's add an African-centered psychologist on the panel. So maybe like Dr. Joy Dugary, um, Dr. Wade Nobles. Um, I'm trying to think who else. You got Dr. Dr. Wade Nobles. Um, Dr. Joy Dugary. Hell, even you could have had Dr. Michelle Alexander, who wrote the new Jim Crow. You could have had her on the panel. Yeah, so so the point I'm getting at is that if there are eight slots, then we have the specialist will take up three or four because you add the psychologist, so it's four. So now you have four left. And so out of those four left, that's where you become selective, but you 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 um can be a little more um, lenient. So like, for example, Ta-Nehisi Coates, because of what he did, he's a journalist, but a journalist may be okay for a slot there because what a, what a good journalist can do, a, a journalist can, can accumulate and aggregate information and then, and then spit it out in a concise way. And, and that's exactly what he did. So I really wouldn't fault, uh, uh, remove him if I'm dealing with eight slots. You know, now there's somebody else who could who may have done it better, but that slot as a journalist or whatever, that kind of person, um, I don't think that's a problem if we're dealing with eight slots. But like I said, if we only have four slots, then X all of that. Danny Glover, he's an um, activist. He's an actor. Most people know him as an actor and all of his all of his work as acting. But he is an activist. If you if you look him up and you see the things he does behind the scenes, he is an activist. But his activism does not translate to the topic that's necessary for this discussion right here. And I think that's a big difference that people exactly. need to people need to see because he is respected. And but and he's up in his age to where you got to understand this fight right here. We, we could take we need to take the wisdom from from those who have, who have who have tenure in this and are up in their age. But 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 nature itself dictates the older you get, you don't you can't do the same things you could do when you're young and vibrant. Right. And so what happens is the opposition uses that to their advantage. They know that Danny Glover is not going to have that fire. I guarantee you 20 years ago from today, Danny Glover sitting at this meeting would have take place 20 years ago in the past. Danny Glover would have sounded different chose different words and had more fire in what he was even saying even even with the subject that that he brought up you see and and people know that they know the that the older folks are not going to have that same you know that same thing so that's with him the um next lady she's there now i don't see her being a problem there because what she does what she represents because i don't i don't look at the person so she, she could be purple it doesn't even matter but what she represents is an acknowledgement of of damage therefore the the need for reparations because what she rep what she offered because i don't think we have time to play everything but what she offered was a personal empirical um discovery of herself and people around her of the damage that 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 um that was done and the need for reparations. So she offered that because she she um, she did uh, research and have outlined the details 
of that damage and so on and so forth and her family her family extended family and others and so on and so forth and and she wrote i think she did a documentary or or something to that effect so she represents other than the the damaged party the the opposing party acknowledging that damage was done hold up and we'll drive away. i think the name of her document documentary is called traces of the trade okay um, yeah that's the name of the documentary that she um that she um that she published or put out there but yeah so i'm saying so so she represents that and that uh, that would be necessary because you want somebody that acknowledges the damage and to, and have detailed it you know uh so i think people may have a problem that she's a white woman saying it but it doesn't matter it that 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 element of information should be plugged into this kind of discussion and then the next guy uh, hughes he oh was my goodness. he was certainly there to to be the opposition of reparations he was a, against it and they know it he writes against it and they knew that and so that was all that's why i say a plant um it was it was a prescribed or pre um meditated um addition of him being in there and saying what he's saying and you can tell by the way that they ask him questions and I, you know people need to watch it because i know we ain't gonna play all the questions uh, no. the, fo the football player um yeah now you now now you now now go back to this uh coleman uh hughes i mean now you do need opposition in this type of setting because you can't have you have to have the the pushback in there because you have to triumph over the pushback you know in this type of uh of setting so because if you have the rebuttals to whatever he says then you're not worried about it and and tanahisi and everybody kind of hammered him so that was all right this guy here you know what I mean? before you move on to uh -huh. him i just want to just state um brother Ujaro, that he is what dr amos wilson would call you know a black neoconservative and the central function and role of a black neoconservative is is to put a black face on white power um and that's 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 what he did so mm -hmm. I, you can go ahead and move on i just wanted to add yep. that exactly and so and so that's gonna happen and and he he is the is the one that fulfilled that spot but knowing that like if, if we're walking into this hearing knowing that that element is going to be there then you just prepare for it and i think uh Tanahisi Coates and um uh Dr. Malvo Vo handled it um oh, in yeah. their in their in their responses um and then so we have the football player now now him I don't I don't see the the need for for him being there at all like at all like I like even in even in me breaking this down the way I'm doing it I I I did not see the role that that played what he offered that it played because essentially what all he was saying was based on his personal experiences that and from his mother and father that we should not discourage the younger generations we should encourage them and by encouraging them that they can achieve this and that and a third that that will um help a as if to say that reparations you know that 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 kind of can replace or supplement reparation and things so you know it wasn't really clear what did you just say Bujaro? because I, I i thought that he i thought that he said let me think let me think he said he wasn't for reparations but he was for restitution he said he would like to identify the parties who were involved in jim crow 
and, and slavery and make them pay restitution. But he did say that he did not he did not uh, support reparations in his opening statement. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So so he his his um, contribution to this hearing was the fact that we need to encourage the youth and mm -hmm. that and that they can achieve. They can do this that, and the third and stop saying that they can't or stop saying that they are denied or will be denied and whatever the case is. So he, he wants to stick his hand head in the sand. He has that element. And then he doesn't understand systemic and legacy driven damage right. be because he wants to identify specific people who are not alive anymore um, and so on and so forth. So that's that. So, like I said, I don't see where his uh, testimony um, helped at all, like at all. Um, and then quickly to the um, Hold it before, before you go to the pastor, mm -hmm. um, this former football player, what is his name again with Jarrell? Owens, Burgess Owens. Burgess Owens. He would be considered a, an assimilationist. Um, he kept saying, I mean, he repeatedly stated, it's not about black and white. It's not about color. You know, so essentially he would be called like a race merger, right? Which would be, which is the supreme goal of a black assimilationist. So I just wanted to add that. Also, additionally to what he offered to the to the meeting, he 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 uh, brought up in a slick way the fact that the Democratic Party switched like black yes, black did. folks in, in America have switched parties. He did. And so he he used that to to kind of inflate um, his his his, um, you know, statements pretty much against um, the idea of reparations. The whole. Reparations. Yeah. Right. So he's basically saying, like, look, just a, just a couple of decades ago, you know, we were Republicans now, you know, you know, so he's bringing all that all that stuff up. And uh, so then the reverend. Um, the Reverend, you know, him offering, I, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't see his, his contribution being necessary. And, and even after, um, now he says a couple of, you know, good things, but that, um, I don't really see, just, you know, I don't see the role, uh, in there, you know, now I know that he, he could speak from experience. So basically what he did offer is the fact that, well, I can't, I take that back because what he offered was the fact that. Reparation should occur and that it can occur if people are educated and how you frame the conversation, because he, he, he brought he brought the, the real time experience of within his diocese or whatever that he governs, that people from different backgrounds, once they're explained um, and understand reparations and why mm -hmm. and stuff like that and this and that that then everybody understands and then everybody is for it because he he gave the example that 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 everybody all the heads of of whoever he governs they voted in favor of of something or whatever so you know that's okay i mean you know the um not the religious aspect that the person tried to ask him what would jesus do but i think that that's um that's good because it shows this panel that it can happen among a multi um, background people of races and so on and so forth. So let's basically, let's get it done. Yeah. And then, you know, and then we'll drive. I just want to add that um, he started talking about forgiveness and, you know, I forgive white people. And even the guy next to him, um, Owens, um, Owens said the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm not angry with white people. Uh, you know, I forgive white people. Uh, I don't think that white people are all white people are evil. And, and I just, in my mind, when I was listening to these brothers say that, um, 
I, I was just thinking like, you know, this conversation isn't about forgiveness. It isn't about, you know, evil. It's not about whether or not you forgive white folks. It's about reparations. It's about paying us what you owe us. You know, so when he started talking about forgiveness, which I, I'm going to be honest, I was blown away. And I appreciate when the economist, um, Dr. Julianne, she said, I'm not like these kumbaya brothers to my right. You know, that's what she, and she said it a few times. You know, I'm not kumbaya. She said, I'm not like these kumbaya brothers to my right because it's not about your forgiveness and how you feel about white people. It's about reparations. It's about a debt that America owes black Americans. That's what this conversation is about. So, you know, I just felt like a few times Ujaro, they went off topic. They started talking about forgiveness. Then you had, you know, members of the house start talking about Danny Glover's movies and how they like watching them on TV. Then they talked about uh, Owen's football career. But that's not what we were here for. That's not what they were there to discuss. So but you can go in. You can go in and get to Doctor Julianne. No, but hold up. Before we get to her, so let's let's so so this is the thing. This is what the ADOS advocacy has been saying all along. Now here we have the first hearing for for the current um, HR forty submission. The first hearing, and we have these witnesses, and so the the pressure from ADOS as an advocacy movement. Is to is to do our best to make sure this doesn't happen, but yet it happens, and right. people and people don't understand why there's a big deal made about being on code and to make sure, regardless of your color, regardless of your gender, that you are on code, because right. because when the lights camera action takes place, it's showtime, and and if, and if you don't make sure everything is on point in the rehearsal. On the behind the stage, then Showtime, you're gonna fumble, you're gonna mess up, and so this is what we're watching: a a a mess up, a mess up, because Danny Glover, the football player, and the uh, pastor, they because remember, like the saying goes, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So they they represent um, openings for the opposition to capitalize off of. Noted. Notice that the opposition that was in the Congress members who were in opposition, notice who they kept calling on. They kept calling on those guys. Exactly. They, they didn't call on Ta-Nehisi. They didn't call on Dr. Uh, uh, Malvo. They didn't call on them. They called on those Kumbaya brothers. Exactly. And did you notice that um, uh, I keep calling her Julianne. I think that's what I think her name is Dr. Julianne. But she did you notice, brother, then she actually had to assert herself you know, interject herself in the discussion. She said, wait a minute, you guys are, are directing all of the questions concerning economics to non-economists. Yes. She said, I'm the only economist on the panel, but you're not di directing questions regarding economics to me. You yes. know, so I'm glad that she made sure that she interjected herself, you know, in the conversation. And that's important because that speaks to um, what I'm saying. The fact that that the opposition strategically did that, they they know what they're doing, and so ADOS advocacy has prepared us to see this and stuff like that. You know, in terms of the educational part, this is what you learn to look out for. This is this is strategy. We this is not see. That's what I'm saying. We're not used to see our generation and stuff. We're we're not used to this level of advocacy. 
And so this is why the ADOS movement has been deemed the new civil rights movement, because that's how serious not not to say it's the same, but the comparison or analogy is made is because we need to take it as serious as 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 folks in the 60s took the civil rights movement. We're supposed to be taking this movement just as serious or even more serious. And so until people get to that level of seriousness, then then they're going to, you know, get caught up in the gossip and the back and forth and the drama and the petty stuff and immature stuff instead of seeing these things and seeing what's going on to prevent it. Because now look, look at us. We're <laughs> we're giving commentary after the fact. So we're 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 behind the curve. We're, we're reacting instead of being proactive and preventing this from happening in the first place, putting the pressure in the right spots to prevent this from happening in the first place. You know, so. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, um, to move to um, Julianne Malvo, Dr. Malvo, I think that's how she pronounced her name. Um, she's the economist. And you're right. Like, I'm, I don't even have to say much because uh, she's definitely one I want to play. But yes, I was getting ready to say, please play her part, brother. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to play her. So she's going to speak for herself. And I think she did an excellent job. Really, yeah. really, her interjections were 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 probably better than her, just her opening. Um, and it will get to that. So, and then the uh, last person, um, I really don't see the need, like his, his, um, representation there, you know, I mean, he, he talked about being a lawyer for, um, the survivors of the Tulsa, um, race riots. And, uh, he, he, um, we talked about that and him being on, you know, the team for that, but I'm with you, brother, I didn't quite understand what his what was the purpose of him of him being there well yeah uh, like i i wouldn't say that that it's bad or anything it's just that um it wasn't something I'm to about bite his statements yeah that's what i'm right. talking about i mean his statements it was kind of like what's the point if you want to get a lawyer um you know i would have preferred um i'm trying to think i think it's dr michelle alexander is she a lawyer yeah she's a lawyer she's an attorney so i think i would have preferred her um in, in his place, but I understand he's a lawyer and it was great to have this lawyer on the panel, but I just don't think he added to the conversation. Oh, I don't think he strengthened the, the case for reparations. Yeah, I think that he may have been a good selection, but I think that whatever he had to say could have been more potent. Like, yeah, like, you know, that's why I said he didn't strengthen the case at all, in my opinion. Right. What he was um, saying and and then how they lined up those panelists. Um, I don't know if they chose an order or that was random or what, because I did see how they sat down and everything. So maybe that wasn't um, planned. But um, so, OK, so let's let's play. Let's find. Um, so I'm going to skip Danny Glover. OK, so that everyone knows now, you know, he's res he's respected because, you know, when you look up Danny Glover, we have to give him his his uh, cre credit for his activism. So the issue with Danny Glover is that his activism doesn't quite translate into something effective for this conversation and 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 it, and it and it showed by his statements in this conversation you know and they utilized him they started you know um he kind of got off topic he kind of started to like drift in in what he was saying when he answered one of the questions he got into environmental um advocacy and stuff you know some other things uh let's see so uh, this person, uh, Katrina Brown, <laughs> and if you didn't see her and you saw it and you heard that name, you would swear that she's a black person, <laughs> uh, Katrina Brown. 
um, if I just said that. But um, I don't know if we want to play her, but she. No, okay, I, so we're going to skip her. But just the yeah, some. Good. I mean, she she basically talked about how she found out her grandmother told her at the age of twenty eight that her family owned. Um, they were one of the biggest slave traders mm-hmm. or slave owners in Rhode Island, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that her family was responsible for importing twelve thousand African, um, twelve thousand enslaved Africans in America. Mm-hmm. And so she talked about that, and then she was really trying to appeal to you know her white brothers and sisters and you know why they should um rep- why they should support reparations and you know and kind of you know kind of um addressing what the rebuttal what the rebuttals would be to two reparations yeah so that's it, Ujjabu. i mean i don't okay, i don't think so it's don't, necessary to play her okay i won't play her so but but being not playing her i just want for people who are listening i'm not uh, i don't want to downplay her her that important element because she represents a white person who was an ally to this agenda hands down okay she acknowledges she acknowledges um the damage she swallows it she embraces it and she advocates and wants to wants to open the eyes of others to advocate um as well so and that's a very important element because because overall that would be phase two of this entire movement okay so um, but I'm a skipper, so I don't want people to think that um, that we're downplaying like her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now this guy here, uh, Mr. Coleman Hughes. Oh my gosh! Now um, it'd be weird that I, that I'm not playing a favor a favorable statement from the, from the Katrina Brown, the uh, white lady, but yet we're about to play uh, no, Hughes. We don't, we don't have to play Coleman Hughes either. I mean. He's basically a dude that goes to uh, um, Columbia University. I forgot what he's what he's majoring in, and he said, "No, we don't need reparations." And he talked about how he goes to an Ivy League school and how he comes from a privileged family and blah blah blah. Like when I thought about when I listened to him again, my mind went back to Blueprint for Black Power, where Doctor um, Amos Wilson describes the black neoconservative. And he said that, and I'm trying to flip through my little pages now. He said the black neoconservative argument rests on the very dubious assumption that one being refuted every day now that the American economy and social opportunity system will continue to prosper and expand, will offer abundant opportunities continuously, and therefore all blacks have to do is just qualify for those opportunities. They need not worry about constructing an ethnical base an ethnical base, African-centered economy of their own, or worry about creating their own opportunity structure for self-employment that they can depend on the on the benefit. Uh, I'm sorry, beneficent white-dominated e- economic system to meet their needs, if and only if they behave appropriately. And so that's what I thought about when um, he spoke. He talked about you know having opportunities to go to school and to do well and all of that. So he's a he's a neoconservative. I, I don't think we need to play him, brother Wujawu. Okay, so so he represents because um, you got to understand, like like if we had to kind of um, uh, what do you call those um, profile everyone? That, that's basically what we're doing. We're profiling all of these witnesses, basically, and their role in this in this process. He will represent to the opposition a gateway one in opposition to reparations, and then two. 
the excuse of why reparations is not needed because he represents the the successful uh black person exactly um that meets the standards and and so on and so forth that have broke through and on top of that he has something to say even with stats uh because he has a warped view of the recent history and the, and the impact of the institution of slavery and and but he was put in check though so definitely want to play when he was checked um uh also so we're going to skip what he said now he gave some stats and stuff so we're going to skip him and i'm skipping because i mean i'm expecting everybody to to um to watch it on their own uh and we don't have to play play him his you know we already we already spoke you know he's basically his his personal experience from family his, his mother and father and the lessons that they have taught him and he would represent kind of a successful person um as well that's giving advice on how to do what he's doing but so now just real quick what okay so now let's get to the reverend oh um, hold up one, one thing i want to say before we i know we, we're like well past um coleman hughes but coleman hughes said um a few times he said we have other issues that we could be worrying about other than slavery he mentioned mass incarceration he mentioned poverty he mentioned homicide rates in the black community but one thing he did not point out is that our social problems are directly a result of our economic problems you, you get what i'm saying yeah. so he wanted to talk about the symptoms but not the root cause. He wanted to talk about the symptoms of the problem, but not the root cause. You know what I'm saying, brother? And, so yeah. I just want to point that out. No, that's and that's that's perfect because that's exactly what he was doing, and people like him, and that's what a lot of people use that as an as you know an excuse. You know, not really addressing the root cause, and then Absolutely. and then we'll be in a position of forever bandaging, you know, bandaging, uh, band putting band aids on things, and so. Uh, Hughes and the football player pretty much represents that. Um, if we go move over to the um, Reverend, you already pretty much broke down what he was saying. But now the impact, the consequence of what he was saying, because I, I was saying that he's a, he's a, that element is necessary for what he represent. But at the same time, when he spoke about the element of forgiveness, that's where he went a little left and the reason why i say that is because when you talk that talk you are you are eliminating the the um restorative aspect of reparations because if you forgive something then you're you're in essence you're saying okay i'm cool i'm good i don't need to be restored but the, but the thing is is that when you damage someone you apologize and if the person forgives then the the person who who um did the damage they don't that it eliminates the obligation to put the person back into the state that they were in before they did the damage and so that's a psychological thing and it's a it's it's a it's it's it fosters you know this excusable attitude and so we and so we should not entertain that in this kind of meeting in exactly. this in this kind of session even even if he felt that way or or whatever this is not something that you address here in a, in a hearing for reparations that that should not come up in a reparations conversation you see what i'm saying that shouldn't that shouldn't that shouldn't that part shouldn't have come up at all and they and people have to understand that he should uh, uh, understand that um so we're gonna skip now we're gonna listen to dr mile uh let me see let me get her name right 
finally because they're gonna show her name tag right here malvo malvo all right julianne yeah, all right so um and we see her all the time i just never um pronounce her name all right so let's listen to um we're gonna listen to her because she's she's the um one of the experts on the panel for this kind of discussion the mic may not be on Sorry about that. Talk, talk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to thank uh, my sister friend, Dr. Uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, and my twin sister over there, Congresswoman Karen Bass. People frequently comment on our resemblance. Um, and of course, uh, Congressman Nadler, for your work and your leadership, Keenan, and uh, Dr. Ron Daniels, who was here and has been mentioned, for his leadership of NARC, the National African American Reparations Commission, on which I serve. I am delighted to be here because this hearing is not on time, it's like overtime. It's more than time for us to deal with the injustices that African American people not only have experienced in history, but continue to experience. I'm an economist, so economics is a study of who gets what, when, where, and why. It's a study of the way the factors of production are paid. The elements are land, labor, capital, and the secret sauce. Some people call it entrepreneurial ability, some call it creativity. Land gets rent. Labor gets wages, capital gets interest, and the secret sauce gets profits. But the work of predatory capitalists is to figure out how to extract more from the factors of production toward capital and away from people. And we've seen that in the past three decades with our own economy, but more importantly, enslavement was about the devil's work of predatory capitalism. Indeed, enslaved people got no wages, and we represented capital for other people. And so after enslavement, First of all, enslavement was the foundation on which our country was built. So anybody who says, well, I didn't have any slaves, no, you didn't have to have any. What you had to do was experience them, enjoy the fact that they were here, enjoy the fact that their labor made it possible for there to be a Wall Street, a bond market, and all of that. But beyond that, but beyond that, I want to speak specifically to Section 3B3 of the legislation. That's a part that talks about the federal um, the federal and state laws that discriminate against formerly enslaved Africans and their descendants who are deemed United States citizens. From Robert Higgs in a book called Competition and Coercion, Blacks in the American Economy, 1865 to 1914, he shows that in 1880, the ratio of black to white wealth was one black dollar for 36 white dollars. 1890, one to 26. 1900, one to 23. 1910, 1 to 16, today, 1 to 20. In other words, we're almost worse off in 2019 than we were in 1910 because of evil. Because basically there have been deliberate attempts to marginalize African-American people, especially those who are formerly enslaved, because of the interests of predatory capitalism and because it was expedient to maintain the status quo of having free black labor and to prevent wealth accumulation. Despite the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, black people were treated as other and perniciously and viciously excluded from the possibilities of economic advancement. The Emergency Land Fund documented the reduction of black land ownership between 1910 and 1969 from 16 million acres to 6 million acres. How and why? Land grabs, tax schemes, faulty deeds, and downright force. My own family in Moss Point, Mississippi, experienced the expropriation of land through a moving fence, like the fence moved one night. We used to have the land, and we didn't have the land. Years later, after a couple of cousins were lynched, they changed the name of the land to Hawkins Lane, so they named it after us, but we didn't get it back. 
Uh, Joseph Brooks in 1978 estimated that black folks were losing 6,000 acres of land per week. And we saw what happened with the agriculture department. The post-enslavement case for reparations can be made by examining racial, host, racially hostile public policy and government complicity to white supremacy. You all have an article that I wrote for the ACLU that talks about several cases, Memphis, Wilmington, North Carolina, Tulsa, Oklahoma, but these were the tip of the iceberg. This happened everywhere. The journalist Ida B. Wells said that lynching was the first example of white supremacy because it was a tool of terrorism. It dampened the ability of African-American people to participate in the vibrant entrepreneurship of the late 19th and early 20th century with a chilling message that our economic success could be punished by the rope. The economic damage to black people post-reconstruction can be summarized. All right. Yeah, so, so she's referring to Ida B. Wells's, um, oh my gosh, she published, it was published, I believe, like the New York Times or New York Post, one of the, one of the newspapers, and it was called Southern Whores. And um, Ida B. Wells, her work was definitely um, paradigm shifting because prior to her work, um, a lot of people thought that lynching was a, a tool um, to punish um, the criminal behavior of blacks. But when she did her research, when Ida B. Wells did her research, she found out that lynching, that most of the blacks that were lynched were business owners. Um, and so that's why her, her work is definitely paradigm shifting. Go ahead, Brother Wujawa. I just wanted to say that. Okay, yeah. And just but just notice that her input now, I, of course, we skipped the other intros. But when when to those who listen to us now, when you watch when you go back and watch this hearing, um, just just take note of the difference in the content of what she's saying versus everybody else um, where she's spitting, you know, just information, you know, facts and whatnot. And you can just see the difference in the, in the need for for that um, on the panel. And that's why they did not call on her because she did not offer a gateway or an opening for opposition. So you got to you got to understand strategy. You got to understand what's going on here. All right. So um, let it play. In three ways. Number one, we were denied the ability to participate in our nation's economic growth. The Homestead Act of 1862 did not include formerly enslaved people. More than 10 percent of the continental Continental U.S. land was distributed to recent immigrants from Europe, but not black folks. So the 40 acres and a mule was given to somebody else, not us. We, these folks were able not only to get land, but then to get grants from the federal government to develop their land. Meanwhile, African-American people were denied the right to these wealth transfers. Secondly, we were denied the right to accumulate. The attach of the paper that I mentioned talks about how our accumulation was essentially stymied by lynching. The first lynching that Ida B. Wells examined was one when a black man had the nerve, the utter nerve, to open up a grocery store near a white man's store. Right. So the white man had a brother lynched, had three people lynched because of economic envy. Listen to those words, economic envy. This is how black people have been suppressed in their ability to accumulate. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Wilmington, North Carolina, long stories and I don't have any time to talk about them. But I want y'all to look at the paper that I submitted and to think about the many ways that black people who tried to participate, tried to encourage, tried to be American, 
simply tried to be economic actors, were suppressed because they had the nerve to think it worked. So my brothers over here who say their American dream is some people's American nightmare. Let's just be clear. Now, number three is public policy hostility. There's public policy hostility to black people. GI Bill legislation truncated opportunities for African-American veterans. Federal Housing Administration reinforced redlining and segregation as an official policy of the federal government. You, people talk about racists as if they're individuals. Yes, sir. But the fact is they're not individuals. They're individuals who are buttressed by the federal government and legislation. So let me simply say, H.R. 40 is important. NARC has developed a 10-point plan. But more importantly, as you, my brothers and sisters on this Congress, go forward, but may there be a racial justice audit of any new legislation that has economic implications. Thank you. All right, so uh, what say you on that? Oh my gosh, I was over here like, <laughs> oh my gosh, she just, I mean, like you said, Brother Wujawu, after listening to her, it is, it's a no-brainer that the panel didn't direct any questions towards her, you know? And um, I, don't need, I don't even, I, I mean, like you said, she spoke for herself. Uh, I mean, she laid, it, she laid it all out. She laid out the facts. Um, she laid out the laws. And, and, and again, a, a lot of this stuff that she was talking about, you guys can find this stuff in Blueprint for Black Power. You can also find it in Dr. Claude Anderson's um, uh, book, um, Black Labor, White Wealth. You can also find it in um, Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, The Case for Reparations, an article that was public in The Atlantic. You can also find it in a book called Warmth of Another Son by Isabella Wilkerson, where she chronicles the lives of three people who uh, migrated out of the South during the Great Migration, which took place between 1915 and 1970. But she kicked the facts, um, Brother Wujaro, and, um, and I think she did a wonderful job. And so, like I said, I mean, I, I agree with you that her rebuttals were hilarious. Um, her interjections were hilarious, but she was she was dead on point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, um, all right. So she, you know, I don't know if we're gonna play the last uh, gentleman, but you know, people could watch that. So I don't, you know, because I, you know, because us doing this, like, if if I were to play everyone, obviously our video would have been real long, and people can pretty much watch it on their own because then we're trying to make up people's yeah, mind for yeah. them. Huh? Um, her rejections were hilarious, but she was she was dead on point. Mm -hmm. Okay, so oh, oh wait a minute, I'm hearing an echo. Somebody came in. Oh, that was you. <laughs> yeah, that was me by mistake. Let me put my oh. mic on me. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, so you know, I, I want to see. You know, people are watching. You know, I know people are watching, hanging with us, and we, you know, it's probably boring to to people. And that's that's another thing too, because this may be boring though. Um, granted. But it kind of speaks to um, what I was saying in terms of uh, this, just this topic in general. You know, we are, um, and I say we, I mean the collective we, black people in general, the flat black. We are um, not very politically competent and we treat politics and different aspects of government and this country and stuff uh, from a perspective of being an outsider. And so we complain about X, Y, and Z, but we deal with it from an outsider 
like I said, people, some people can't even fix their mouth to even say my country or that I'm Ameri an American. You know, people have a pro problem saying that, even though that's what they are. And even though this, that's, you know, they live here and they've been here all their lives. They don't want to say that because of, um, you know, what has been transpiring over decades and, and so on and so forth. Um, so we had this, we have this outlaw, this outside perspective and everything, this non-participant um, way that we we go about things. And because of that, this these type of topics are not attractive. People are not, um, you know, they don't really deal with this kind of stuff only when the mess hit the fan that it may get some attention you know okay. more than normal but in the, in the everyday situations no it, it's not happening these conversations don't come up you know all, all like that so that has to change and you know so i know i know this this could be uh, boring our, our conversation may be uh boring but people don't understand how important that this movement or this this really is Absolutely. And, yeah. And um, <clears throat> I just want to add, Brother Wujaru, that what we witnessed yesterday and what we're discussing today or right now, it, it was a historic discussion. And so I, I feel like this should be on the, the, the minds and tongues of all ADOS, all Black Americans, all African Americans. But unfortunately, you know, our, our priorities are um, are misplaced. So... Right, right. Actually, you know, it, this conversation might be boring to other people. You know, I'm looking on YouTube right now and I see somebody, I'm not going to call out names, but it's a debate going on and they have 2.1K viewers to, de to debate. You know, so anyway, I mean, I just, you know, a lot of us have, you know, um, messed up priorities. I'll just say that. Right. That's what I'm saying. And so, so if there was some drama going on or or somebody debating on some topic that has nothing from nothing and the people who are attempting to debate don't even really know the content of the subject matter in the first place yeah you're right it'd be about two thousand viewers absolutely 1500 or more um viewers watching that you know not to say that 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 many need to be, watch us but right. th but this hearing look at this hearing right now it only has twenty thousand views and this is from yesterday right and and you know this is something you should have a whole lot more views i've seen people's channel in the conscious so-called conscious community have more views on a video that's been up for a day yeah absolutely you know? that just shows you where our, where our mindset is um brother Wujawa. you know that's right. where our priorities are where our mindset is speaks volumes of it and and so that's why it's important for advocacy um the way that it's being done and people gotta gotta get tough skin because all that little immaturity drama back and forth and stuff. I see videos being made about um, about these different topics and stuff like that. And, and it's really just self-defeating. We are our own worst enemy and not understanding how things work. And a lot of people who do that and feel that way and may think that way, they, you know, may have never been in a, in a role, a responsible role, leadership role to get something done on that kind of level. And people gotta gotta acknowledge their strengths and weaknesses, and just allow other people to do what they need to do, and and get an understanding of it instead of trying to fight it based on a um, a position of ignorance or lack of understanding, just because you feel a certain way. You brother, know? brother Wujaru, my nine year old is still up, and his butt shouldn't be, and he wants to say hi to you. Okay. Oh. Hello. Hey, peace. <laughs> uh, what's it, Javen? Yes. Oh, see, I remember your name. See, you know, see. 
There you go. <laughs> He's tickled. He up here smiling. <laughs> yep. There it is, boy. Well, he's trying. He's trying to eavesdrop on the conversation, so you can't. You know, you got. You gotta. Gotta send him to bed, but at the same time, be like, okay, cool, yeah, that's right. He, he, <laughs> he listening on the conversation. Um, but okay, so let's let's do this. Let's um spend a little bit of time, I guess, because we we definitely gone long. But um, let's see if somebody, if anybody, want to voice their opinions and stuff, because I know that'll spark. Did um, you want to put the link to join in the chat? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do that. So, so for those who are listening now, I know I know there's a delay for you to hear my voice now. I'm gonna post the link to come in here. Um, now, only thing we re- we require is normal uh, communication etiquette, uh, not to to over talk or or talk and um at the same time and things like that, and not and no disrespect at all. That just will not be tolerated at all. All right, so I'm gonna post the link up. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Um, we're not going to bite. You don't even need to have your um, web camera on or whatever. As long as we can hear you, you can hear us, then it's okay. So I'm going to post this link. Let me get the link over there. If I can get my screen back going on over here. All right. So um, one second. I need to get to the page. But um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, get back to our channel. And it's probably gonna come on an audio. You can hear you can hear us. Yep. All right. So all right, I'm gonna post the link up, and you all be able to come in on the link. And don't be scared. Don't be scared if you got you got something to say. Uh, you know, give us your thoughts. And listen, another thing, you know, we've been on long already. So if you do uh, pop in, be please be concise as possible. Like you know, state your point. Like you know, let's not do the run-ons that um you know. I may be guilty of doing, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's the link. Click on the link. It'll bring you right in here. All right. So, um, post it a few times, make sure everybody sees it. Come on in. And now, I can, now we can also pay attention to the chat. So if you, so if you, you know, if you don't want to come in and you want to say some things in the chat, because I know how chats work, people will have a conversation and it will uh, take a life on its own. Um, so if you said something earlier and we weren't paying attention to chat, go ahead and restate it. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll address it. But we, you know, I prefer to hear your voice. Have a have a dialogue. So to all you iron lungs out there, that's the link. Post it again. All right. So, but anyway. Um, so now the, you know, the, the, the takeaway though, um, from this, uh, I want to go back to phase one of, of this, this kind of advocacy. We have to understand that in phase one, it's an in-house phase. And so far where we are now is roughly out of the flat black, about 58% of the flat black are in support of reparations and about 40% are in opposition to it. Mm. And that's not good. Those are not good stats. And about 2% are just not sure. They, you know, you know, they don't really care or they're not sure. Okay. So those numbers need to change. And that's what phase one is all about because what people don't understand is that whenever we use the word, we, and then whatever words follow that we, you first have to establish the we. 
And when we say, and I'm and I'm using it because it's part, you know, it's it's the only way we can express ourselves. Um, oh, who, whoever came in, if you can mute, was that Chief X? Uh, give me a sec, second, Chief X, if you can mute your um, your YouTube side. Uh, you got to mute your YouTube side. Uh, but anyway, so so we have to establish the we, and that sounds funny even me saying it because I said we have to establish the we. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it puts you in a, um, a situation where you can't even re really express this. Um, the we first have to establish, be established. And so that's phase one. And, and in us creating the we, uh, there's those who are among us that, that are wrestling and, and, you know, in opposition and so on and so forth. So this is all part of phase one. And we have to get through that, but we have to be expedient and get through it and so this is why it's no time for the little immaturity and and all the drama and people nitpicking and being all soft and stuff and not understanding what advocacy is all about so to those people you need to just kind of chill and sit sit you know sit to the side and learn and then come back and re reassess what's going on but uh, so we have one person uh, here. We have um, uh, Chief X. So let me um, actually, actually let me switch my screen over so everybody can see what's going on in here. All right. So okay, we have. I turned uh, turn my YouTube off. Okay, you can hear me right live, right? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you good. Okay, so go ahead, uh, uh, Chief X. I know. You, I know you have. Uh, you, you've been following along. Oh, you got your shirt. On. Let's see your shirt. What's the yeah. <laughs> Look, when you when you put the link in, look, I ran to my closet. Let me put my Ado shirt on. Man. All right, there you go. All right, Ado, Ados. All right, Ados. All right, good, good. So, what's your um, uh, what's your thoughts? You know, like I said, for those who come in, uh, we're gonna try to try to keep it concise as possible. What's your what's your thoughts on on the hearing? Did you first of all, did you watch the hearing? And if you did, what's what's your thoughts on it? I didn't watch the complete three hours. Um. <clears throat> But I did catch at least about 10 different clips on YouTube because they have it clipped up with the different people speaking. And I, I've been watching this since the beginning. And I just want to say I appreciate this um, live y'all doing. Um, <laughs> as um, Dr. Mayat said, I had a, got a notification and seen uh, Polite was debating on some silly topic. I said, I, I don't have time today. I'm with I'm with Jaro and Dr. Mayotte today, because <laughs> you know the ADOS movement in the subject of repar reparations um, has been kind of important to me over the last what nine six months or so. We've been now um, having discussions, mm -hmm. so I was focused on this discussion. And I appreciate appreciate you guys um, breaking the um, hearing down, and um, when you critiqued each individual on a panel um, separately and gave your opinion on how you feel they um, came across. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I've, I've been representing um, um, ADOS and um, trying the best, to, the best of my ability to teach on it from my perspective and what I know. Um, so I just wanted to join the um, panel with y'all and chit-chat. Um, All right, so let me ask you. Let me ask you a little more specifics. Then let me see. Make sure anybody else coming because you you don't want to break. Oh, we got somebody else. So uh, um, I don't see the name on the screen. So so um, 
the next person yeah uh the mic is yours if you if you want to just give your uh brief thoughts on the the hearing if you heard it if you you know had a chance to check it out or you you watch clips of it or whatever just you know kind of give your thoughts yeah so the hearing was um oh, no, no. value hold up chief uh, chief yes sir oh I, I was asking i was asking um the the next person uh, oh okay my bad my bad it's <laughs> me Vasai. go ahead and let chief uh go ahead and get his point out Oh, I thought he already did, but go ahead, Chief. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, no, I, I did. I thought you asked me a separate question. I didn't know if somebody else was on because I okay. didn't have my. Okay, yeah, because Chief X already kind of gave his his uh his thing, not not specifically or anything, because I'm not asking specific questions, uh, at least not yet. But uh, oh, so this uh 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 Vasa. Okay, so yeah, go ahead, brother. Um, I was getting set up, so I didn't hear your question. I apologize about that. Oh, I was just I was asking um, if you had a chance to see the hearing yesterday, uh, what are your thoughts on it? If you can give a, a, a concise um, um, comment about it or if you didn't get a chance to see the whole thing, if you saw any of it, you know, what what is what are your thoughts? I saw more than half of it and I pretty much share the same sentiments that um, you and Dr. Maat stressed throughout this video. Um it, it kind of makes, I know y'all hear me mention him a lot. It kind of makes me think of how important it is that we are more aware of movements like this and how you mentioned, you know, look how quick they pulled it together, how all of a sudden it was. Maybe that's a possibility. You didn't see a, a huge viewing on it. I don't want to bash all our people. I just think this was something that just needed to be more promoted than it possibly was at the moment. But it makes me think of had Edward P. McCabe had that kind of um, resource, had things been different. And that's, you know, that's one of the tricks I see that uh, get pulled on us as well. I don't want to get too long-winded, but uh, y'all pretty much wrapped up everything. I was coming on here in case no one else did. Okay, yeah. So, but the thing that people need to really understand when they watch stuff like this is um and i kind of highlighted at the beginning is that your expectations because that that really frames your takeaway from things because like for example if you walk into a movie um like a sci-fi movie or marvel movie or any sci-fi movie you're not going to walk in there expecting what you see on the big screen to be uh true to life and real and literal because you know it's sci-fi, you know it's fantasy, you know it's sci-fi. So you walk in there knowing what time it is, and and by you knowing what time it is, you can enjoy it as entertainment, you know. And so what happens is people will see these things that take place, like these hearings and stuff, and not really know the process, the procedure, or what to expect. But they'll have expectations, and then and then when those expectations are not met. Then they they walk away with a distorted, you know, conclusion and 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 feelings and stuff, and that can mess things up. So, so you know, I'm just I'm saying that to 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 kind of forewarn people or warn people that even when you watch these things and um and witness these things, at least do your best to educate yourself on the subject, on all the process and everything, so you'll know, um. You know, you can discern whether things are going favorably, unfavorably, or should happen differently, or whatever the case is. And that's why one of the reasons why we wanted to kind of discuss it tonight. And we know we kind of, like I, like Dr. Mai said earlier, 
it this was like a fast thing for us because because we were watching yesterday and uh and we were inboxing each other while it was going on and um so we were like hey let's just go live right after but you know other things happened so we here now um we yeah. didn't have we didn't have a slideshow or anything prepared we just wanted to have a, a discussion and everything so um i see we have some other people um joined in we have um uh, africa emporium and founder of sin so i don't know who came in first but you know uh uh just give us your thoughts on the hearing if you saw it or just what we've been talking about and if you could just be you know brief as possible uh so either one of you guys can um open your mic and um and start if y'all can hear me yeah what's going on family peace power profit everyone <clears throat> um again you guys uh are doing the service of you know of community right now uh whether you it's you know i guess accepted it or down how people may be downplaying this this uh, this conversation or this discussion but it's very much needed Right. So every time you have such a conversation like we had yesterday with that panel, you have to have forms, forms where you come back and unpack that information, right? Or somewhat put it in layman terms, so to speak, for the layman. And again, there were a lot of things that were said yesterday, even though they wasn't so, you know, verbose in terms of language where we could really decipher, uh, uh, decipher what they were saying. But there's a lot of context that needed to be brought to that conversation or that discussion, so to speak. And I myself, like many others who watched it, I'm pretty sure, you know, it left a lot of, uh, you know, unanswered questions, so to speak. And so, uh, again, this is a great opportunity to kind of, you know, have that discussion with, you know, our so-called peers or whatever, uh, scholars or however, you know, people, you know, seem to deem it, you know, quantify themselves. So, again, I'm just, you know, comfortable in knowing that, you know, there are some people out there that value, you know, real you know conversation is based upon data and reality and historical context of why we need to constantly have these discussions and so we can never you know, you know not have enough of them if i you know if it add up to me so i appreciate you guys what you guys doing over here tonight uh brother wajas dr liot and everybody that's paying attention in the back chat so again power proper to you all i have a lot of you know things i would like to say about it but i don't really have the time but i'm hoping y'all gonna do more of these uh, you know, as this you know thing you know unfolds and the conversations begin to kind of heat up because there's a lot of things that need to be said, and uh, I'm just I'm just happy that we're having it, and so it shows people who are watching tonight. There's 40, 50 people that are watching. It shows where you guys' priorities are, and because you're thinking more so long term about your children, your generation, uh, future generations, as opposed to you know how things are in, in the present time. So that's very important too. Yeah, and um. So yeah, thanks for that. And and um, what you were just saying um, reminded me of something. I want to uh, before you know people start falling off when watching. There's two things, excuse me, that I, that that are very important for people to um, see. One is the docu series called Reconstruction. It's on PBS. If you have not seen that, that is a must see. You got to see that. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Uh, but you still you you can redeem yourself by watching it, okay? So if you have not seen that, matter of fact, let me see if I can share. My hey, screen. brother, brother Bujar, uh, say Bujar, you, man, you're sounding really broken up and crackly, man. I don't know if it's just me, but yeah, I am, loud, I am loud and clear. Okay, so okay, so it's me. Yeah, I hear, right, I hear so about 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 about
Okay, yeah, okay. You, you leave and come back in, but uh, let's just make sure. Can everybody else hear me clear, or am I sound like a robot? No, you sound fine. No, 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 no. You are you are very correctly. It's on the on this Google Hangout, but on YouTube you're not. That's what I think he's talking about. But since okay, I've got okay. on, you've been very okay. Okay, well let me. Okay, well let me do this. Just, just uh, I guess the brother already left. So what and I'm that's going, your YouTube audience. I, okay, so let me do this. I'm gonna leave and come right back. That way, it's probably me. So, so y'all hold tight. Um, I'm gonna leave and come right back. It's gonna be. A good All right, and while you're leaving, I'm gonna um just reinforce that uh, what he said that the reconstruction on PBS. I'm telling you guys, it's it's a must see four part series, and I know Chief X put it on his Facebook page. That's when I first uh, learned about the reconstruction. Um, docu-series on PBS, but it's a four-part docu-series. Um, each part is about one hour. And, and and if you guys watch it with your children, well, please, I encourage you guys to... Alright, so, uh, pardon me, uh, family for who are on the YouTube side, I know you all can still hear me, but they can't hear me, they couldn't hear me, so I have to leave and come back in there, so y'all are stuck with me for a hot 30 seconds. And I'm going to get back in there and um, join back with them. So give me a second here. And I don't like the dead silence. So I'm going to try to keep talking. Let's see if I can find this link <clears throat> to get back in there. All right. So anyway, I hope you all are, um, you know, just taking what we're saying under consideration. Of course, people are going to have their uh, thoughts and opinions and things. Um, but just take it under consideration. And here I am. I'm gonna join back in. Um, lot, a lot of black men were getting arrested for for uh, um, small things, any little thing. So that was just their their way of keeping black men enslaved to the penis. Are, are y'all referencing the the Gates uh, reconstruction series, the, the Henry Gates series? Yes, just real. Just can y'all confirm that y'all can hear me uh, fine now? Yeah, yeah, much better, much better. Okay, all right. Okay, good. So I, I wanted. If I may, um, since y'all said PBS, PBS actually put out a, a documentary about Reconstruction before that was released. Here's older. It's, it's the full title is Reconstruction: The Civil War. That one, um, to me, goes into a, a, a broader scope of it and details things that wasn't really put in the Gates version. And then uh, the History Channel also put out one called Aftershock Beyond the Civil War. Both of those are really, really good to have. Um, very good to have. All right. Um, I was wondering, uh, can you guys hear me okay? You guys are kind of voicing. Your voice is a little off, too. Okay. Uh, let me uh, let me back up off my mic a bit. Is that a little better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Okay, yeah, well, uh, hello everyone, good to, good to be on the panel with all of you brilliant minds, and, you know, I'm representing Real Black Atheism and the Amara Squad, big support, and I just wanted to say that, you know, at this time, listening to us late at night, we really can, uh, you know, capitalize on that, on all of the, the gracious listeners, and I would like to say, first of all, I mean, just my initial impression on this whole thing is it's kind of a sham and a farce uh, because Sheila Jackson Lee, she's not even ABOS. She's Jamaican. Her her lineage is is JBOS or CBOS, Caribbean descendant of slavery. She's not American. So the whole thing uh, right off the back 
I think is uh, very, very, very suspicious um, on top of the fact that they threw it together um, while Vault and uh, Tone Talks were actually doing their own events in Alabama. So I think that the whole thing was kind of like disrespectful and she should not be there in the first place. She should not be speaking on, on, on reparations at all. They should get someone who's ADOS to speak on it. Okay, so let's let's deal with that real quick. Um, because I, you know, I've seen people express express that, you know, and um, so we have to look at that and unpack that. So Sheila Jackson Lee, she is not a full ADOS, but she's um, I think one of her parents um is ADOS, and another one is from the Caribbeans. Right. Um, but now speaking to that, this is the thing. So we had we had a white lady on the panel and that white lady was in full acknowledgement of the damage of slavery. Um, she's a full advocate of reparations. Um, she thinks reparations should happen and that and that the country will not even be um, whole until it happens. But yet we won't say that she shouldn't be uh, present or or shouldn't say anything or we wouldn't silence her. So we have to we have to understand that Sheila Jackson Lee not being a full-fledged ADOS, that's not the real issue. The, the issue is the agenda. Because if, if somebody who is, who is pink, brown, purple, yellow, green can advocate the, the, um, the agenda and be on code and be on point, then that's, that's you know, we support that. We, we should support it regardless of, of who they are, their background, or their skin color. Um, I feel you, bro, and and I and I do apologize because I did not know that she was half ADOS. So, um, like like if you look at ADOS, we're saying that one ancestor is all that you need. So I totally take it back. I didn't know. I thought that she was both uh, CDOS on both uh, you know lineage lines. Um, but um, even then, I don't feel and, and the, I feel like the white honestly the white lady might have represented us. Better than the black folks, especially the coons and the shambos on the panel. Uh, she, but she, I'm, I'm just saying, she was acting. If she was acting, we was not EDS. I was just saying that she should not be leading the charge on this issue. That was all I was saying. Right, it right, right, right. Yeah. But yeah. um, you know, like really, honestly, the, all the black folks, they were soft chewing and getting away from the fact that this is going to be past payment. And what I would like to offer is the fact that I think that this should be 90 to 100% cash payments because we cannot trust them to properly set up like, uh, you know, any other types of programs that would be reparations. We know if they set up a phone action, we know who that's going to go to. If they set up, quote-unquote, commun black communities or communities of color, we already know that's a kickback. There's no systemic black community. There are no black communities. Because the government took away our ability to form communities because communities have to have wealth to control, you know, the means of production and the gas station and the corner store and the so on and so forth have to be black control for it to even be a community. Okay, so let's, you said a mouthful and we, we could uh, he talk. Said, he one, said, he said, hold on, hold on, one second, one second. Uh, let me uh, get, uh, introduce uh, Uncle Keck, uh, hey. Amara Squad, Black Power. Uh, black African power and um so you, you want to get your uh introduce yourself no Unc don't need an introduction but i know he want to introduce <laughs> himself real quick and then we're gonna right. tackle what the brother was saying 
Hey, Black African Power, man. Um, yeah, I know this is like a powerful show, man. Uh, you know, I was overdoing the other joint because I had planned it yesterday. So that's why I wasn't over here to start for the show, man. But, you know, it's good that we back to putting out content. We need that. We need the intelligent conversations. And, man, you know, just thank you. Appreciate uh, all the brothers and sisters on the panel, man. All right, cool. So, yeah, just feel, just feel free to chime in. Man, yeah, what's up? <laughs> What's going on, Anka Cat? Now tracks in the building. <laughs> you know, I missed you. I saw that you were going live talking about science will not be defeated. So <laughs> I, was, I was checking you out, you know, here and there. And I, I was waiting for you to join us. And if you didn't join us when we finished up over here, I was going to um, log in or, you know, join your um, discussion. No, we, no, we do quick. We're doing it real quick. You know, we ain't got empty arm lungs over there all the time. Whenever we go eight hours, you know, arm lungs is on it. You already know. Okay. <laughs> uh, you want to you, you, you put that on me? That's fine. I, I, I eat that. I eat that. Even though, even though your 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 last marathon had nothing to do with me because I I came and left. But uh, we, we won't talk <laughs> he about that. Back. He came back. Yeah. I came like, in hey, look, hey, look, and uh, you know I must be enjoying the discussion because you know it's well past my bedtime. I go to bed. Right. I go to bed at nine thirty. So for me to still be hanging tough with the brothers, you know, it, you must know I'm just I'm enjoying Damn. myself. Right. Play the rewind right. on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so so let's quickly um the brother made some statement made a statement. I think that's that's important for uh, us to address um what he said because really I uh, I kind of I, I agree with what the brother was saying. Uh, one is that um. Well, you know that, and that's what we discuss. We discuss because because you're only as strong as your weakest link, and mm. and because of the agenda, of the agenda of reparations, th this is why you you attach an agenda to reparations, be because reparations has has to involve policies, because what this is why because if you give if you give a, a mass payout, and but you don't establish policies. And laws, you know, um, and things like that. Then the money—it's like throwing money in the wind. You'll have it, but then it'll be used up in a matter in over time. But if, we, if you establish policies that assure assure that you are now um, have access, just like everybody else, then we can do whatever we have to do generationally. And so, so th this is a long-term thing. This is not this is not a quick fix, you know, so to speak. And that's what people got to really understand. This is this because matter of fact, this reparations movement, the the fruit of this labor may not even be seen by us. It's, it's going to be through the generations we're, we're kicking it off. But but the, but when you the real impact and effects won't be felt until probably, uh, you know, like my uh, my children or grandchildren. And so we had we you know we had to just keep that in mind, too. Yeah. And I think Dr. Maya had something to say. Um, no, I was agreeing with you when you started talking about the cooning, brother. Well, yeah, well talking about the cooning, I mean, it was ridiculous yesterday. Yeah, cooning. Um, the reason why is because basically, I'm I'm only 27, and really, the older generations, you guys have basically just let the coons and the sambos just fester and just be able to. Well, assault. Brother, don't put it on me. Don't don't put it on me when you say you guys. Don't put it on me, brother, because we. <laughs> We call out the the the, the sambos and the, and the coons. As a matter of fact, if you follow me on Facebook, I was I call them out often. 
Okay, I feel I feel what you're saying, but let me, let me get let me just I don't want to take this down the rabbit hole, but let's let me just give this as an example. Think about this in New Jersey, the brother who allegedly killed one of the brothers who allegedly killed Malcolm X is walking around free, showing his face. What type of shit is that? Exactly. Can, hold on, can I say what type of shit it is? Can I say it, Joe? Oh, what? Yeah, what? Yeah, what? Mine? What? I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're gonna say if you got if you got ask permission. I don't. I'm I'm, I'm about to say no. Oh, okay. nah, I ain't gonna do no cussing. Okay. Nah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna make this point. Go ahead. I'm saying I'm not even trying to. I'm not even trying to be funny, bro. You act like you're a ghost on the wall. How come you ain't went and got him? And call us Generation Sambo's. You ain't with you looking at the same thing I'm looking at. The question, bro. I understand that, and and that's what, and I'm trying to change. I've said, I said, so so my generation. I, 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 say, I look I, at you, still in this statement. I wasn't bro. trying to be smart. What I learned was from one of my homeboys, my bodyguard, Brian Bagley. You know what I'm saying? Rest his soul. Right? Uh, he did uh, 13 years. Yep, 13, 14 years, Jessica Cup, all the penitentiaries. And, and, and you know, Doc, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, like, yo, check this out, man. He said, yo, seriously, yo. He said, never let, never let, you know what I'm saying, another man pump you up to do something that he won't do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was a voice of reason for me when he came home. He said, because them penitentiaries is full of dudes, right, that, you know what I mean, that, that, that other people pump them up. So that ain't never been the proper response to go get them like that. Man, we in America, bro. You got to be way smarter than that. I'm just saying, so y'all be people be saying that, and I don't really personally get that. Like, what are we really supposed to do? Really? Like, what are we really supposed to do? Get all gunned down in the street? Like, what's seriously like? I'm just wondering, you know, the tough guy at. It's crazy, yo. But I just want to let you know that a lot of them people might not be sambos. Right? At least they on the panel. How about that? Right? So you might be thinking they sandboing, but they're in a position to do something. So I ain't, I ain't tripping on that. No, but, okay. um, no, I'm telling you, I, I do agree that it was some cooning on that panel yesterday. I mean, you had brothers. I mean, you had brothers talking about, and it was the brothers. I, you know, the, the the sister she called it out. She was just like, you know, I'm not. She was. She said, I'm not a kumbaya person. But the brothers were on the panel talking about forgiveness and all white people aren't bad and they forgive white folks and you know they don't hate white folks and they're not mad and it, it was some cooning on the, on the panel. I gotta admit that it was. So is yeah. that cool to say you don't hate white people and all white no, people? No, no, no. I'm no. just asking. No, I'm not saying that. You know, it. it um, I'm not saying that they. You know, that that wasn't their um, genuine sentiments. But I mean, that wasn't the time. That wasn't the platform to talk about forgiveness and how you feel about all white people. That was a platform where we were discussing reparations. We were discussing a reparative justice claim. Not your feelings and your your thoughts about white people. Bingo. So I felt like go yes. ahead. Not point, sis. Go ahead, sis. No, so I think somebody was getting ready to, to add to what I was saying. Hey, was well, cutting uh, you off and what you were saying. Yeah. Let me let me so let me just um, Man, just let the sister finish though. Let her yeah, finish. I'm just saying I just think it just wasn't the time. It, you know, it wasn't the time to talk about your emotions. Um and so I just felt like it was some cooling. That's just my opinion. I can chart. All right, so let's let's yeah. Uh, so yeah, so go ahead to um uh chief, you gonna say something? Yeah, I was kind of agreeing because Vajaro had dressed the young brother, um, found dressed in, and um, I was just kind of gonna piggyback off you what you said. 
So yeah, it is baby steps, you know. So the meeting, the hearing had some importance, right? Um, it hadn't been a hearing like that in 20 years. So we do have to acknowledge that. And um, truly in my heart, I do feel some steps in progress will be made from the hearing. But it's again, it's baby steps. This is the beginning stages, you know, since um, reparations is on people's lips. So we just have to be patient. There will be some benefits that come out of this. It was not all negative, although there was a bit of cooning. Some good information, some good information did come out. Absolutely. And some things were heard that sparked some interest. It's going to light a fire <laughs> under people to do some work in government and out of government. And yeah. um, also, like, the young brother, Ankh, was kind of educating you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, you have um, a killer in today's time that we can place blame on the young generation. Say, you got, I forget the, the, the white security guard that killed the young black brother. Zimmerman. 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 Why, why you youngsters ain't got him? See, we, we don't want to put blame on each other. Things happen. We have to use our intelligence to figure it out. Right. Yeah, but let me just say this. Uh, uh, I just want to say this because because I had audio problem when I was when I was making this point before I had to leave and come back. Um, uh, it it, it was to implore people to watch um that show that's that docu series Reconstruction, um after the American Civil War. Uh, it's on PBS. So make sure you watch that. And then there's some other derivative documentaries as well. I think um brother um. Uh, Vasa had mentioned those so make sure you watch those listen it should be mandatory it should be mandatory to watch that okay and then two um, Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore they attended an event today it was the Angela project and um, and they streamed it live it is a couple of audio problems that they had but overall definitely watch that because you're going to see the difference between what they were talking about and how they talked about it versus what took place in this hearing and right. ha and hands down hands down you should walk away from watching their video and you should be saying that hey because matter of fact in their meeting william uh dr william darity was there uh, kevin um um cosby cosby was there Kev kevin cosby was there uh, uh, Antonio Moore was there. Yvette Carnell was there. Even Killer Mike was in the um, audience and whatnot. I don't know if he spoke or whatever the case is. Um, but they had a panel and they gave um, you know some information. And then they took questions. They filled questions and stuff like that. Just look at the difference. And y'all, y'all gonna see it's almost like night and day, night and day. And so watch those two things. That's what I you know um, suggest for everybody to to watch. And that happened today, so it's it's on Antonio Moore's channel. Um, but knowing him, he'll probably uh, take it down and edit it and put it back up. That's what he normally does. So if if it's not there this, at this moment, it should he'll probably put it back up. But it's on his channel, Antonio Moore. Um, and and they were there, and they said some very powerful, important important things that that really should have been said at the hearing. So so Wuja, wasn't they kind of handpicked? You know, you know, you know, the game be, can be set sometimes. Right, right. So, so, of course, you wouldn't put the best speakers no. on that said subject right out the gate. You, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like the rebel, they call them the rebel rivals. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you wouldn't even expect that. Like, I didn't expect them to put 
that's people on the subject matter. Ask a question. It's weird that they would have, of all people, Dr. Sandra Darity was the foremost case uh, or point uh, person to really ignite this conversation discussion around this election cycle. His work is extenuated, you know, extenuated through countless years where he brought this to, you know, to a lot of his colleagues and his constituents uh, surrounding slavery, yet they, you know, purposely left him off that panel, which is the guy from Cobra, because he's connected with Antonio Moore and uh, Susie Yvette Carnell. That's problematic. And he's the foremost, I think, in my, my opinion, uh, economist that really has a lot of the data points that are very valid to be brought forth. So uh, I would love to hear y'all hear y'all point on that. Why they didn't bring him of all people? Okay, so uh, uh, Vasa, I know you had your hand up real quick. Uh, uh, um, hey, Will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Real quick. Real quick. Hey, commercial break. Here you go. Y'all gotta get this, man. Contribution to the debate on the meaning of the place name Kimmich. All right. STEM shoot human research team. All right, man. Got a shout out to the brothers, man. Yes, uh, it's the next level. Y'all need to get these books right here, man. All right. Go to Amazon. And I think I, well, I ain't even got shoot. Go to Black Dot Bookstore and get it. All right. All right. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, uh, I had a question. I, I can't co sign for everybody that was up there, but we do know it takes networking and funds to make things like that um, possible. Is it possible that while we've seen, um, for example, a Glover up there, is because maybe behind the scenes he put forth funds and connections to make that date possible? Mm -hmm. Well, well, okay. See, we we can speculate, but you're you're right that it does it does take planning. And well, I'm just and, that, you know just to kind of to to keep us from completely bashing the event. Uh, <laughs> oh well, no, no, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm I'm taking I'm taking what you're saying what you're saying in consideration. So so what I'm what I'm saying is that um is that to put to put together the hearing, it does take planning and it and it takes some some connections, some calls. And some transportation to get people uh, from point A to point B, and, and you know every, everything that goes in in planning a meeting or whatever the case is, we know that that had to had to have occurred. But uh, let me just say this about William Darity, Doctor William Darity. Uh, he did submit something in writing yeah. uh, at the meeting, and they and they allowed it. You know, they 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 documented into into the meeting in on the record in in the meeting. He just wasn't there in person, so. We, you know, I don't want that to go unsaid. Was that that he did submit a testimony, um, but in writing. Um, and real, yeah, real quick, my brother Viasa. Even if that you made a great point, and even if that were true, though, I mean, I personally, I've been listening to Doctor Todd Anderson for years, and and Tone Talk for probably over a year, rigorously, and I have pretty much memorized all the taco points because <laughs> of the leaders in this whole thing. They're the only reason why this hearing even happened. And I would never disrespect people like Darity, Dr. Darity, by getting up there and offering my my opinions and my voice. Even though I do think I'm very enlightened on the opinion, I would fall back and push and forward and from the experts i wouldn't be up there talking about what happened 50 years ago and my family this and blah blah blah, blah. no it, you gotta you gotta specifically talk about what was 
what what happened, how we were wrong, the economic impacts of that, and what we can do to repair that via finances, cutting the check, direct payments. That's the only way that this is going to work because we cannot trust them to set a front to anything. I was thinking, like, maybe they could just buy us an abandoned town, but who are they going to give it to? In Cobra? No. We don't want that. In WACP? Hell no. Right, so yeah, a little bit out there on that, though, bro. Everybody's, bit fast. everybody's moving way too fast, family. And right. I, I just want to, I just want to interject, and I want to say this. It, 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 first of all, greatness to everyone on the panel. You know, uh, I, I appreciate all of you guys. I appreciate everything you bring to the table. You know, it, everything is extremely needed. But the first thing we have to fundamentally understand is that. What is a house resolution? This is the very first thing that we have to educate the people on. How do these things go from being a thought into sliding across a president's desk? Now, once we go from there, we have to educate the people on this process. This process involves politics. This process involves Congress, we have somewhat control over the people that we put into Congress. We have a control over that. So if we're, if we're politically apathetic, if we allow certain groups of people that, that don't have our best interest at heart to be our quote unquote Congress people and be our quote unquote voice, we're going to go unheard. So in, in, the, in the words of Chairman Mao, Politics is war without bloodshed. We have to be strategic about the who the people are that we that we call our representatives. So it all goes back to politics. You can't just say we we can't talk about what's the end result of reparations. We have to figure out how do we get players in place that can bring up the conversation where where uh, 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 HR forty it's it's an afterthought because it should have been done if if the Congress was stacked in our favor if the, if we had. If we had uh, people in those positions that that had that had a uh, a, a reparations agenda from the get go, we wouldn't be sitting in front of a room full of white folks having a, having the having to explain what's the obvious. Do you do you follow what I'm saying? And and I'm, I said that to say let's take a let's take a full step backwards. Because this is a this is a in in the words of, in the words of uh, 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 one of our brothers that just got slain out here in Los <laughs> Angeles. This is a marathon. You dig what I'm saying? So we have to go on, on a, we have to take a whole different approach. We have to start stacking the deck politically so we can get our agenda pushed. And if, if someone feels contrary to that, please be feel free to let me know. Okay, let me, so let me, can you kind of like, uh, I know you were trying to get at something real important here. So, so, so were you basically saying that since it's a marathon, that those players that first presented presented that like players for that. That's basically what you're saying. You get the ball rolling. I want to say yeah. I'm sorry. What, what, what are you basically saying? Based off of this whole thing being a marathon, based off of this being a house resolution, certain players that you want to have go ahead and run the ball first. You might not want to jump out there with guns blazing off the bat. Am I correcting what you're saying? To a certain extent, yes. But there was also individuals on that panel that, that shouldn't have been there. With all respect to Mr. Glover, Mr. Glover shouldn't have been on that panel. With all respect to the to the person that was the uh, the pastor, the pastor shouldn't have been on that panel. That's it, brother. 
you know, with all football players, all to the, the plants, the, the, the coons that was there. We right. don't we, we don't need the coons there. We need people that and, and I and I made this in a comment on the on the uh, on the YouTube about this. It needs to be economists, sociologists, psychologists, and attorneys. That's it. That's all. No if, no ands, no buts, no suppose. This is not we're not making an emotion plea, we're not making a moral plea. We're talking about the economic impact of slavery and how it has disenfranchised us from day fucking one. And then nothing else matters. Okay, let me just uh, 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 just kind of frame this up because I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just I hope you understand that you you're you're um, talking to the choir right now <laughs> because 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 uh, no, I, I, I think we're definitely on point. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you realize it, but I just want to make it clear by saying it. Absolutely, but what I'm saying, my point is, but when we're engaging in dialogue with the people, we have to educate them as if they don't even know what HR yeah. stands for. Yeah, so, well, so, so what, what's, what's up? Hold on, hold on. Let me, yeah. We did that yeah. Yeah, that's why that's that's why I wanted I want I wanted to clarify because maybe you maybe you tuned in late or may, may, maybe you're not familiar with with what I've done on on um, in videos. I, I have I have a whole video where I'm walking through HR 40 line by line and I'm explaining um, how HR 40 wasn't even called HR 40 it was HR 3745 in 1989 introduced by John Conyers and the fact that HR does not stand for House of Resolution. It stands for House of Representatives. So it's not a House resolution. It's a it's a bill. And HR stands for House of Representatives and the and the counterpart in the Senate is S and then whatever number that is for the Senate. So we have to and understand. So so I, I break all that stuff down uh, all, all the time and but but you're absolutely right. I just want you to understand that you're preaching to the choir when you're talking to us at least. But but um, and then, and but when I just want to add that in the beginning of this discussion, or at the beginning of the discussion, and we, we started this discussion at 8.22 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we even gave an overview of H.R. 40. Um, yes. So, Brother Mugabe, we, we, we did that. We've educated folks on what H.R. 40 is. We broke down, um, you know, why the hearing was there. I'm sorry, why they had the hearing yesterday. We talked about the witness list. So, we walked everybody through. I'm just not sure when you tuned in, Brother. Asante. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So that's what I'm saying. We we're on the same team, boy. Uh, Absolutely, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I appreciate jab out there because it it, it it it's me personally. I'm not concerned with the people that are that are opposed to reparations. You know, because there's always going to be those people. I just think the people that are that are that are for reparations, we need to tighten up our game. So whether whether you're talking from from Georgia, whether you're talking from Baltimore, whether you're talking from New York, whether you're talking from South Central, we're all saying the exact same thing. We're locked on code. On code. And that's and that's the and that's the point with ADOS advocacy uh, educational movement is so that everybody will tap in. Matter of fact, Yvette said something today um, at their event. She said that she's she's putting um, something on the website. I don't know if it's going to be on ADOS 101 or if a different website, but she's putting it. She says she's putting together a, a centralized location that will help everybody to be able to say the same things. And so and so that's 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 over, long overdue. But I'll be happy when that actually happens. So I think that's going to um, help out. And, and just in in closing, before before the last thing I want to say is, and and I, and I know you're not guilty of it, Wuja. I know uh, Doc Mayat's not guilty of it. 
and I know Ankh's not guilty of it, and I know X not guilty of it, but I have, I'm not even going to say the brother's name that, that's guilty of this. We, we, we have to not frame this in, in a anti-immigrant capacity. Right. We have to be mindful of that. We, 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 because that's, we, we have to get to a point where we have to make them want to see us with this. We, we have to make the, 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 the other blacks that are immigrants to this country, they're going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, they do deserve it. And then they're going to make other groups say, yeah, they do deserve it. We can't, we can't have that discussion if we're framing ourselves a, a, as opposition or somehow uh, 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 adverse to, the other, to our other brothers and sisters as immigrants. We have to be really mindful of that. True. Question, Wuja. I got a question for you. Amen to that. But oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, hold on. Sean, Sean had his hand up. I'm not sure if he had something to say uh, uh, first. I can wait. Okay, go ahead. Good question. I'm just wondering. So basically, are we trying to say, based off of who's on that panel today, that that has a, an effect on whether this resolution will go any farther? Is that what we're trying to say here? Yeah, well, absolutely. It's 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 um it's it's seriously that's I just really want to know the truth. Absolutely. That's part of the um, process. The hearings are to edify the, the members of Congress so that when they, uh, if and when they mark it up and take it to the to the floor of their body, that they'll have this information. That's why they submit things into evidence or, or on the record so, so, that, so that other members can later uh, consult the record. And these things will be on record. So, so it's the decorum of, of the Congress is similar to how court. Uh, clarification. Yeah. Uh, would y'all? Yeah, yeah, what you about that? No, no. I want to clarify what Ankh was asking. Are you talking about the people, Ankh, or the hearing? Yeah, I'm saying the people that were sitting on there. The ones y'all say the football player and all the people. Right. See, Ankh's are the personalities. Yeah, that can't be. It's got to be based off some real goddamn evidence. No, no, no. Not about somebody just talking. No, 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 no. 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 That's, that's important that you ask that question, brother, Ankh, because actually, what they're doing, they're trying to. Put it in place so they can convene a panel of people that they speak in terms of delicate. These people that they had out today was a dog and pony show. There you go. Back. But that's All right, so that's so that's not so it don't matter who them people was then, right? Right. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. First impressions of everything, guys. First impressions of everything. They didn't send our best and brightest minds up there. Let's keep it one hundred. And that's though. I mean, seriously, they really expecting. Listen, listen, hold up, hold up. Just to make sure that we clear though. Um this bill, HR forty, is is to create a commission which which is gonna have a membership of people. The people that was at the hearing are not that membership. So so now I'm not just in case you anybody listen to your question may confuse the two. So the people that were witnesses, they it was just a panel of witnesses giving testimony on the subject matter of H.R. 40 and reparations in general. So what that does, it offers the Congress members um, consideration for their deliberations and their talks. And that's why they put things on the record. So so that that's that's without any any getting into anything. That's that's just how the procedures uh, operate. That's that's why the hearing. But, but you, you get my point though, because when it come down to it, money talk and bullshit walk. 
Right. So you had to have some real scientific evidence, some data, just to preach and talk, and ain't gonna sway you one way or the other when you come dealing with these people. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 no. That's what that's what that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. So, so if you if you understand how the court operates, when two when lawyers on the defense and the prosecutor attorney. When they file a, when they want to argue something, they file paperwork, a motion. They move the court. the 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 judge receives the the motion, and then the judge may call in for oral arguments to to further edify and elaborate on what they wrote down, and so on and so forth. So these witnesses offer oral testimony, but they also offered written information. Sandy Darity uh, was not there. He didn't give any oral, uh, oral presentation, but he gave something in writing, which is going to include all your facts, your data sheet. That's why they were reading from it. Uh, Dr. Uh, Malvo, uh, Julian, um, all of them submit what they submit. So, so, it, so, so you got to understand, nobody's going to be persuaded in a five-minute conversation. And they, they were all allowed five minutes. Yeah, and, and I and I just want to say, and I was cut off uh, before. Sorry about the connection issues, but I wanted to respond to my to my Baba Ankh and just 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 let you know that I'm not talking about necessarily running up on anybody. But for example, the dude William Clyburn, he's one of the heads of the of the of the Coon Congressional Black uh, Carcass because he's dead, and he laughed at us when they talked about reparations. He said it will never happen. Okay. Sheila Jackson should be ashamed for this, how this whole thing happened. The fact that De Danny Glover, the whole thing was uh, was very shameful. So Clyburn has been in, has been a quote unquote representative who's been working against uh, his constituents, which are supposed to be ADOS people. He's been working against ADOS before since before I was even born. Now, if that coon Owens, the young dude who was up there talking about. You make me a victim if I if you give me reparations. If he was getting the office and then he was in office for decades as throughout my lifetime, then hell yeah, you would blame my age veins. Hell yeah, you would blame my generation. Okay, let me just say uh, about Clyburn, and this is something we have to be mindful of because I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. Hey, hey but, Ruja, I'm just yeah. saying, look, I'm gonna tell everybody good night, man. I appreciate the conversation, man. I'm gonna go back and listen to the download, man. I'm a raw squad up. All right, I'm a raw squad up. All right. Peace on. All right, peace. Uh, just uh, real quick, though, I want to say that um, we have to be mindful of the fact that it's early and that part of the advocacy is is a um, movement to convince because people people who are are were against it. They're not against it anymore. And some people who are, have, you know, uh, uh, one foot in, one foot out. Now you can convince them. And Clyburn is an example. Clyburn, after going through uh, being confronted by ADOS people and and having these discussions, Clyburn has co-sponsored the bill. So so although he said it would never happen, and he and he said that uh, back back in an interview, now he's co-sponsored the bill. So so there's rooms. I now I only say that because it's still early, and because people say something today shouldn't stop us from hammering this still you know hammering this and 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 doing the advocacy because they can change their mind even cory booker was not for it and what wasn't speaking on it the way he was now now he even introduced a, a sister bill um um the equivalent bill in the senate and and he was one that was p pushing uh baby baby bonds and stuff like that so 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 you know people can can you know kind of change we just gotta keep that in mind so i'm not saying you're wrong but we gotta understand that 
I think that's due to political pressure a little bit too, brother Wujai, just to be honest, because now that the conversation is much more uh, a firestorm in terms of the election cycle, they know they will get no black votes without uttering some kind of semblance of their kind of, you know, uh, bending to the will of, the, of uh, you know, of reparations or the discussion of it, therefore. So uh, it's interesting seeing a lot of them switch sides now and come home to the discussion when before it was complete benign neglect for so many years where they would even, even test the uh, topic. When Tony brought his article to Obama, Obama pretty much, you know, being the symbolism for black people, pretty much just shot him down uh, globally because that's what it was. It was a global uh, pretty much, you know, uh, benign neglect value where, you know, they feel like, well, you guys have nothing to stand on to even bring this to our, you know, our attention. So it's interesting seeing how this thing going to turn out. I'm very, very excited to see how this election cycle is going to turn out. I would not be voting for anyone who's not going to push a black agenda. I will say that. Stand on that with every ounce of my ancestry because it's it's over for doing it just because someone said you should do it. We need to have policy and positioning where we can make some real moves for our people. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited, you know, that these discussions are happening now. Yeah, just real quick, I want to say no doubt to what you said. It is pressure because remember, politicians do not bend from applause; they bend from pressure. And that's what all advocates should know and understand. It's the pressure. And we have to understand that our that votes are are um, in exchange. There's an exchange that happened and we got to understand that exchange. We can't just freely give a, a vote away. And we and we want to exchange our vote for policies and procedures, you know, policies and and um, and stand. And um, oh, you got Africanisms. Uh, chief is uh, advertising something. Yeah, no, I, was just put, I was putting out these is two different vibes. Um, I haven't even started them yet. Okay, so yeah, I hope everybody gets that though. Yeah, so so um, um, founder of Sin. Yeah, you're right, but we have to just keep in mind that um, that people can change and they will bend under pressure. We just got to establish that pressure, the right kind of effective pressure, and that's what ADOS advocacy is all about. That's why. You know, Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore, although people may have uh, a, a sideways raised eyebrow to their methods, but their methods are actually necessary when you understand the bigger picture of, of what advocacy is all about. It's not about persons, not about making friends. It's about pushing an agenda. You take it outside of the personal level and you go on a, on a level higher and it's about the agenda by any means necessary. So even if your own is stumbling you better put some fire up under your own because when lights, camera, action and, 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 and the show uh, comes on, you, th there's no more planning. You got to go out there on the stage. And so if they're not prepared or if they're going to blunder, then we all blunder. And so right. we got we to keep that heat. And, and, I, and I just had a, and I, and I'm going to ask a question to um, Keefax and Dr. Maad to kind of get you guys in here if you guys are even listening still. <laughs> um, Man, just a side a sidebar. It's, it's it's relevant though. The coon Negro House Negro preacher. Okay, what remember? Well, not just not really about him, but I think it was uh, I can't even remember who said it, but somebody I think it might have been the white lady who said that if they wanted to do that contract leasing for houses, you know, like that they would go and talk to the black preacher. And he would basically tell to his congregation in the quote-unquote black community 
that what that that was a good idea, and basically that of course destroy even more black wealth. So, uh, so what do you guys th- what do you guys think about that tidbit, that tablet that that Ta-Nehisi Coates kind of brought in? Hmm. Um, do you remember that? Do you guys remember that part when they were talking about the contract leasing? Ta-Nehisi Coates was talking about how they would go and you know instead of giving the black person the deed. The, the white person would hold on to the deed, and in order to no, 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 that wasn't that wasn't convict leasing, brother. That was predatory lending. Predatory lending. That's, no, no, right. contract. Yeah, that was contract leasing. No, no, con- contract. Brother, that was predatory lending, brother. I know, I know, and they use the word like contract li- lending or something. I know, I know the whole right. the top umbrella was predatory lending. The specific practice they were talking about is contract leasing, not prison leasing. Uh, initially, you said convict leasing. I, maybe no, you okay. My that. apology. Contract leasing, where they were talking about how the white person holds on to the deed, but the black person acts like they're a the homeowner. They just don't right. get to do that right. then. And they were using black castles to infiltrate that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's. I don't. I don't remember him saying that they were using black pastors, um, to do that. I, I don't remember that. I'm not saying that it wasn't said, brother. I'm just saying I don't right. remember that part. So but let me. I do so I'm talking about predatory lending. Okay, so I'm, I'm from from what I remember. I think I think it kind of overlapped. Um. So so they were talking about um they were talking about the predatory lending and redlining and basically. Uh, the loans that a person would normally qualify for because they were black, they would not qualify those people. And then third party folks would come in and lend them and, and not do um, and hold on to the to the to the deed or whatever the case is. And but they will hold the the, the um, person that they're lending all responsibilities of a homeowner. But yet they weren't really the homeowners and things. And so that's what was that's what was um, uh, mentioned. So when it when it overlaps with um whatever what was you saying before you were saying something else well, I was saying well you know me well, you know me I'm a, I'm an atheist and uh, you know sin stands for you know the S in sin stands for secular if you guys were wondering so I'm always gonna you know at any opportunity take my shots at Christianity and black pastors so uh, that was something that stuck in my mind was that I think it was the white lady who was asking the questions she mentioned that they were using. Black pastors to convince oh, black right, people right, right. that this yeah. was a good idea. Yes, and she, that that was a study that they've done. Um, so right, right. She, she, so she gave data. She was saying that they were using the church yeah. and their congregations. That that was the segue. That was the gateway, I should say, to yeah. to access. They were giving these folks that were doing that access by way of the church. Yeah. So that, that yeah, she I, was just, I was just asking for a cheap action, you know, back to my heart to, you know, add a, add a couple of comments on that if they wanted to jump in the discussion, you know? Yeah, that was, that was, but yeah, that, that is what she said. That was, that was statistics. The, the, um, the lady that actually did the study, I think in her, where her, where, wherever she represents, um, the whatever state or whatever she represents, they actually did that study. And so she mm-hmm. had, she had presented that. And that that's just a testimony. See, and that's that's just data. See, nobody could argue against numbers and data. And knowing that 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 hearing should have been should have been drenched with objective numbers and data more so than the I feel good. I forgive you. My my family did this and I played football and I did this. It should it should have been inundated with more data and numbers rather than that kind of talk. But it was it wasn't it wasn't like that. Um, And that's that's a problem. I want to give my little 20 seconds real quick. Sean, about yeah 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 the 
what I witnessed from my perspective was what I expected um, from the panelists. Once I, you know, once you break down the individuals from the beginning to the end, I didn't like the way the questions was asked about economics, but you don't ask the the economists. Right. You you divert it from her because she will she she had the authority to be able to speak on the subject. Now, we all can say who we would like to have on the panel to, to force the discussion and so forth. You know, that would be ideal from our perspective because we know great minds that we could put on the panel and that would make an excellent argument and apply pressure to Congress. <clears throat> but what I take from that is that this is really a moment in history for us as a people to kind of not let go of let go of like years past people have let go of that moment they didn't capitalize on it they just went with the flow and said okay things are going to be the way that they are but now we're we're hammering down and we got to keep hammering down on trying to force the issue to solve problems we're not waiting on handouts we're <laughs> we're trying like you said earlier in the show saber is if there's a debt that's old and we need to collect our debt that on the debt that's old, but at the same time, we still got to push forward with our, our centeredness and continue to do the work that needs to be done. So, um, there were some bright spots in what I witnessed, and then there were some dull moments that I witnessed because I'm telling y'all what irritated me was the kumbaya stuff. Yes, it yes. frustrated me so badly because okay. The maybe the people who were doing the kumbaya, maybe we should ha actually have them go and, and to to Ghana and look at how many slave ports are along just in Ghana alone. Not, Come on, fifty-two. Not no whales. Not no whales. Just right. in Ghana alone. Alone. Let them go to all fifty-two. Right. That's more. That's more than states in America. 52 different slave ports, castles, whatever you want, trading port, whatever you want to call them. Right. In Ghana. And just let them walk through all of them. You, they're going <coughs> to... You got to feel that reality. So when you when you bear witness to that, then you... The kumbaya over with. Now yes, it's time to get serious. But that's not all I got to say on that part, man. I mean, shut up. And, and I feel like I feel like it's it's good to talk about kind of reconciliation, so that you know. And I, I would like I it's not like I trust those you know white people, but this this is, this is a good step at kind of repairing the injustice. Uh, so that's not a bad thing. My my main issue with the whole thing was how they started going on these long stories about my great grandfather taught us how to work <laughs> and how to respect and this and that. It's like, dude, what? None of that really matters, man. At, at the end of the day, it didn't just it didn't just impact you. It impacted over thirty two million of us. So let's talk about the economic, you know, bandaid to put over this. And at the end of the day. Uh, programs are always going to be are always going to become universal. That's just, that's, that's that's what they've done us with affirmative action. That's what they've done to us with everything. When they use that word community or poor people or criminal reform, okay, that's, that's always going to go to somebody else. So at the end of the day, I feel like nobody, even 
somebody who I used to call my heroine, uh, you know, Professor Malvo, Dr. Malvo, she didn't, even, she didn't bring it home and hammer the direct cash payments. They were running away scared, talking about, it's not about a check, it's not about a payment. That's exactly... But brother, but brother, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you think that the average, and I'm just being perfectly honest, do you think that the average black man and woman in America right now could handle a substantial amount of cash and handle it in a mature manner. No. Right well, I no. understand what you are saying. Within a few, within a few years, the distribution of wealth, the, the the wealth will be right back in the hands of the wealthy again. It'll be. They, they, they have a they have a the economists, the black economists have a thing that they call the Chappelle effect. Like from the Dave Chappelle show, when when, yeah. the, when the black folks got reparations, it, that would happen because we're not. For the vast majority of us right now have a very dysfunctional relationship with money. We don't understand money. We don't understand economics. We don't. We don't. We don't fundamentally understand these things. There's a, there's millions of black people that don't even understand that they're poor. Okay, so and just like and just like and just like and I'll and I'll just say this, just like Tariq Nasheed said, when you look at it, when you look at Indian people, you have casino you have casino owners and then you have alcoholics. I'm gonna be on the side of the casino owners. Okay? There is no other there is no other option because we cannot trust in COBRA, the NAACP, we can't trust the black caucus to put together programs that will only Benefit ADOS is always going to benefit other people, brother. That's why I'm saying the only thing that will 100% only benefit ADOS is direct payments. Okay, but now check well, this that out. Means, check that this means out. we have to go out on a whole different limb because the the black politician, as they stand right now, they're liberals. So when you when you call yourself a liberal, you lock yourself into that liberal box. That means you have to stand up for the gay community. That means you have to stand up for the Latinos. That means you have to be for open borders. You can't you can't be you can't stand on pro black for black and be black. You can't stand on that and call yourself a liberal. So you can't expect. The, the 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 people that are in power the so-called black folks in power right now to have an agenda for us that means we have there has to be a whole new underground like i call myself in, un, un, for, for lack of a better term i call myself a black republican you know what i mean not because i agree with republican policy but some of the stuff that they fundamentally do as an as a political organization they got that shit right they're taking care of their base and we have to figure out a way to take care of our base and I do respect you guys and I don't want to put the blame on you guys. All I'm saying is that how decades have the Congressional Black Caucus pushed a non ADOS agenda. They've been yeah. Well, let me just address something. Let me let me let me frame something real quick because because this this um direct payout comes up a lot. And we have to understand, even from Yvette and Antonio themselves. They do not make it clear, cut the check type of attitude, that direct payout. That is only a part of this restorative or reparative justice claim. We have to understand that without, without policies and set-asides, a direct payment is going to fall flat on the face. Uh, like I said, it's going to be like throwing money in the wind. And we got to understand the difference between wealth and having money or being rich or, or whatever you want to call it. There's a difference there. Yeah. This is a generational thing. So, so, yeah, um, like, like how, like one, how, one, one second, one second, one second, one second, one second. Be 15% SBA loans, you know? 
Wait one second. What I'm saying though is that uh, uh, the compensatory part of reparations is a is one element out of all the elements, and so we cannot. So when we're when we're talking in public discourse, most people take the lazy way out and just say cut the check. Where I need direct payments. If you ain't talking direct payments, ah uh, blah blah blah. But we have to understand that that's only one out of five uh, elements to restorative or reparative justice. And so without the policies and without the set-asides um, written in law, which is why we're going through Congress in the first place, then all that's going to be for nothing. That's like hitting a lottery. And that's it. That's, that's, that's a temporary fix. That's a Band-Aid. That's it. That's all it's going to do. It's, it's not, it's not going to um, do what reparations is supposed to do, what we're seeking for it to do. And that's, that's very fundamental. And I'm saying that to say because even Yvette and Antonio don't emphasize direct payments like that they don't do that and i and i'm telling you i'm telling everybody to watch the video that they live stream today they were at the angela project and that short video it's only it's only like an hour and a half that video right there could could supersede the whole hearing that we're that we're talking about tonight because everything they said that's how that hearing should have went because they were crunching numbers, they were talking numbers, they were talking about the issues. They weren't talking about none of that kumbaya stuff, none, none of the extra stuff, none of the extra dialogue was there. It was strictly uh, straightforward about the data and about um, um, what we should be uh, getting um, and what it, what reparations should look like. And so and so that's what everybody should watch. It's on it's on Antonio's um, channel, but. Uh, I'm, and I'm hearing some background. I'm going to have to mute somebody. Somebody's driving. So so listen, I know we've been on for a long time and, and we could probably go on and on and on. But at, but we got to kind of round it off and, and close it out because I know Dr. Maya, we on borrow time with her because once she get her tea and everything, it's just like it's, it's past. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, but it's I was past. trying to hang. I was trying. I hung tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's try to wrap it up. So let's let's go around. Let's go around the floor. Anybody got anything closing to say and try to keep it brief. So let's just do that. I got one one brief sentence closing. All right. Go for it. Appreciate the show. But I, I just want to remind people what advocacy means. It's real simple. When you're advocating for something, you're basically trying to influence. That's Ado's whole intention, is to influence people, to make decisions, whatever they do, through whatever, the speech, giving a lecture, whether they're teaching about it, what have you. Advocating is influencing. So no, Yvette Carnell and them are not politicians. They're not legislators. They're advocating. They're just keeping it simple. Thanks for the show, Jawa, Dr. Mayat. All right. Okay. So uh, let's 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 go around the, let's go around the floor. So uh, African Emporium, you got anything? Um, close out. Uh, I'm gonna do mine in picture form again. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you guys for this panel. I wish we have many more. Uh, I know we do a lot of the man cave shows where we just go ham. We may, we might need to have some more of these uh, these Thursday talk about the shows uh, when it comes to these kind of discussions. So uh, I just want to post this book here. This is. This is uh, this is a brainchild. Yeah, that we understand here. Uh, we can all pick this book up or get the PDF. This is some work perusing here, guys. So I just want to leave that with the family. He's fine profit. All right. White wealth, Dr. Paul Anderson. All right. So, uh, Founder Sin, you got something uh, brief? You want to close out with? Briefly, briefly, uh, I just wanted to really thank you guys for talking about this. I really appreciate you and, and Luda. I just 
I just value your opinion so much on the issue, and uh, I and I just I just really appreciate you for fighting. I mean, even against some of our own uh, brothers who claim that they're supposed to be with us, you really you really did a great. I'm not going to say their names, but some of our immigrant brothers that were against the movement. But um, I just wanted to say that you made great points. I understand. I've been on ADF 101, and I see that they want 50 percent of SBA loans to go specifically back people. But guess what's going to happen to that? Just like NWBE, um, Women and Minority Business Enterprises, or whatever it is, uh, Minority Women Business Enterprises, what what, what, what the men would, what white men would do, they'll just put the uh, business in their wife's name. So, that, like, so policies and programs, those are great. I'm for that. But I think that it has to be a majority class disbursement because that is the only thing that uh, cannot be corrupted. Peace and love. All right. Uh, Vyasa? Vasa? Um, no, I really don't have too much more to add. Uh, I do have to say, um, forgive me for not coming in properly and offering a uh, peace to everybody at first. Um, Y'all did a wonderful job with this. If anything, my, my closing remarks would be challenging everybody to find at least one person that you think typically wouldn't engage in these conversations or the learning of this type of material and try to uh, influence them to partake in this as, as well. Um, just start with at least one person. Um, like you said earlier, we kind of was preaching to the choir in here. So let, let's let's try to expand on that as well uh, and just get it, get it moving uh, more productively into the future. And peace to everyone. All right. Uh, Mugabe, um, Mudiwa, you got anything closing? If you, uh, if you, if you could hear me, I, I had to mute you. I think you were driving, so you got to unmute yourself. Uh, I'm gonna try to unmute you. All right, there you go. I can. Hear All right, you. can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead, go for it. All right, I, I just want to say this: just be prepared for a long, for a long struggle with this whole reparations piece, and uh, our our secret weapon is going to be the international community. We're going to have to, it's going to have to be similar to the way, uh, 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 the, the way the apartheid regime fell in South Africa. It, it was because of international uh, uh, pressure. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to create allies outside of the borders of this country that also say that th those descendants of the, the Mafia deserve uh, 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 reparations. And we, we have to keep that in mind. It's going to take uh, 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 sanctions from other countries, political pressure from other countries, because these these crackers ain't just gonna give up no bread like that. I'm gonna be honest with you. So it's, it's gonna take either you see it's gonna have to take political pressure or it's gonna take bloodshed. It, it's just that simple. And I just I just really want y'all to understand that. All right. Okay. So, um, Doctor Matt, I guess I'll say you know you, you get the final word. So let me just get my final. Um. No, I, look, I'm gonna be short and sweet, Mujawu. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna let you have the final though, you know, lady, you know, okay, ladies right, we'll first, ladies that. last. So, all right, that's okay, yeah. So just, my, uh, I got, I got mute you back. Uh, we got be, okay. So yeah, just real quick. Um, so yeah, I hope, I hope people take away from here. You know, remember tonight we were just giving our commentary on the hearing. 
um, and everything like that. So I encourage everybody to watch it for yourself. Don't take our words for it, but just keep what we were saying in mind when you watch it. Just look out for certain things. And remember, there's a strategy to everything. Um, there's a procedure to everything. And so so make sure you educate yourself on these procedures and understand the strategy. And I want you to take a snapshot of the hearing. And again, I want you I um, suggest that everybody watch the reconstruction docuseries and mm-hmm. and watch um, uh, the Angela project um, that uh, William Darity, uh, Kevin Cosby, uh, um, Yvette and Antonio attended today and they live broadcasted. You're going to see the, the strike con- contrast between how they conducted uh, what they were saying in the content versus this meeting it's, it's going to it's going to be um, totally different. So um, and, and lastly, I want to say that um, it's in terms of cash payouts and things like that. We have to understand that that's a component of reparative justice. But without the policies and protections, then the cash payouts is going to be for naught. We have to just understand that. And so so we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And that's part of the agenda. See, when you when you advance an agenda, you don't you don't like piece it up. You don't you don't say, okay, well, I'm going to take this quarter of the agenda and that quarter. No, you package your whole agenda and you advocate the entire agenda. And part of the agenda is uh, compensation in the form of money. But the but uh, there's a lot of other parts in that agenda. and We have to advance the agenda as a whole. And we always have to um, remember that. All right. So and that's it. So I thank everybody for uh, tuning in. But I'm going to pass it to uh, Dr. Matt. Close us out. All right. I just want to thank everyone, like you said, for tuning in to the discussion. If you did not watch the HR 40 uh, hearing, go on YouTube, watch it out. Just don't take our words for it. Um, watch it. Um, I would encourage you to watch it with your loved ones, to watch it with your children. Um, I also second that, you know, that, uh, to, to watch the reconstruction um, that was aired on PBS, I think a few months ago. I think Ujjawa now on PBS, you got to sign up to view it. So just go on YouTube and type in Reconstruction PBS Part 1, and it'll come up. And again, if you guys are watching it with your children and you want some quizzes, I have the quizzes. I can email them to you. Um, I've been watching it with my nine-year-old, and I we watch it in 30-minute increments, and he get qu- he quizzed on a 30-minute increment that we watched. So if you guys want access uh, to those quizzes, I can make those available to you. But again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I'm Ross Squad up. Till the next time. <laughs>